This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Black Klansman. I think it's a new Spike Lee joint. She. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is running late. Uh, hopefully he'll join us soon. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some very movie, various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to other movie topics. This is episode 335. 335? Yeah, I know, right? It's up there. And uh, this week we're talking Black Klansman, the latest Spike Lee joint. And uh, joining us today to talk Black Klansman, we have, from first showing, it's the Summer of Sam, and he's got Mo' Better Blues after getting on the bus. It's Alex Billington. Hey, what's up? And, what an intro. Thank you. And from Battleship Retention, he's been bamboozled by his school days, but still does the right thing. It's David Bax. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I, I was very happy to put both of those together. Uh, but, uh, no, ha- happy to have you guys both here. Uh, Alex, I feel like it's been a minute since you've been on. Yeah, I know. And I admit that uh, half the reason is because I started my own podcast and I was very busy some of the times you were asking me to do it. But um, I think the correct way to, to say it is you started your own podcast that you've yet to invite either myself or David onto. I think that's the way you, what you yeah, need to say. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It will happen. You've had some uh, high-profile guests. That's all I'll say. Oh, but, uh, oh, not... oh, okay. High-profile guests. Uh, sorry, the people of no, Germany. No, we... Um... <laughs> You're you're our next high profile guest, Aaron. Okay, this has been. Uh, you're also 335 episodes in, and I'm 13 in, so you've got 320 ahead of us. Oh yeah, but I mean, you have you have 13 high profile episodes out there, so I mean, what, what am I? I'm well, giving, I'm giving you go. My own trip, I'm giving yeah. you go. Oh, we're having fun. It's okay. What's the podcast called? Uh, it's called the first word. The first word. Gee, oh, it's a lot high profile indeed. It's the first word over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a reference to the name in the first show, you know, first word. It's, I started it with my friend Mike because we, probably similar to you and Abe, would just talk about movies all day long on text messages, and we were like, why not turn this into a podcast where we just chat about stuff? And That's basically the story of Abe and I's podcast. It's like, why not? I'm, I'm sure it's the story of, like, everyone's podcast, yeah. Yeah, except for, like, I don't know, um, Michael Rappaport. He's probably like, I could do this, and just, like, decide to do his own thing. Um, that's a, that's a random shout out to Michael Rappaport. That's what I did. David, how are you doing? Good to get you back on the show. Oh, good to be back. I forgot we were recording. Uh, <laughs> because it, cause it could make this sound so natural. It's like, it's, it's, what, what podcast? We're just sitting here <laughs> talking movies, right? That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been great. <laughs> good. Nice and succinct. Um, I do take a certain joy in having uh, Tyler on last week to talk about the Meg, and then having the other Battleship Pretension host come on this week to talk about Black Klansman. Um, it, it, it just worked out really yeah. well that way. Uh, but yeah, no. we're coming at you from all angles. Mm-hmm. And But yeah, glad <laughs> exactly. Glad, glad to have you both here. Um, I look forward to uh, talking about this movie with you. I just got a message from Abe that says he's going to be on shortly, so that makes things easier. Um, so I'm, I, glad he's, I'm glad he's alive. I was starting to worry. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is a, it's a, it's a worry every week that I have for lots of reasons. <laughs> but um, it's uh, no, he'll he'll be on shortly. So I, I'm sure the listeners that are all Team Abe, um, they can they can calm themselves. I'm sure there's plenty of those. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'll he'll be uh, be on in a bit. Am I stalling? I don't know. Is it is it me stalling just by saying the question? Am I stalling? Perhaps. But I'm gonna move into <laughs> show notes. Uh, let's get to that real quick. Uh, first up, commentary track. Each week, on, each month on this podcast, we do a new commentary track. Um, and this month, uh, we are doing Halloween H2O. 
the uh, oh. yeah in uh, in preparation for Halloween H four O we're doing a <laughs> we're, we're we're doing the uh, the 1998 Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween film that'll be recorded this week actually so that should be coming very shortly uh, by the time you hear this podcast uh, to iTunes and everywhere else you get podcasts everywhere um, it should be a lot of fun to record what else uh, the summer movie gamble um, where uh, we've been predicting what we think are gonna be the biggest grossing films of the summer that's very much underway and we're at a point where the Meg and Mission Impossible's total grosses before labor day are going to make all the difference in who wins this challenge so i'll be very especially since the meg continues to make lots of money and mission impossible is in this weird point where it could either pass ant-man and the wasp or not all those positionings are going to make quite the difference so uh yeah looking forward to see uh how that goes let's see itunes reviews ratings good to get those helps out the show helps other people find the show if you want to log on to itunes search for right now if you're in an abe and not the first word you can do just that and uh you can <laughs> give our, our podcast a uh, star rating and a review it'd be great thank you in advance all right that should have been that's that's i think all the show notes we have this week let's get to uh, know everybody where each week we ask each other a question or two on the podcast and uh try to tell them better get to know everybody. everybody all right by the way abe you've just now joined us I have. Good. All right. So, I came back from my secret mission, and I'm here now. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're a full crew again, so we can get this going. And um, let's. I'll start, I guess. What, what's it? Okay. So I, I thought of this because I was thinking about the, the Spike Lee shot um, that occurs in a lot of his movies, and here it is again in Black Klansman, where he has like he puts car- he puts his actors on like a platform and lets the lets it move with the dolly, so it creates this floating effect. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, what are what are what's a, dir- a director's trademark that you love? Like something that you know a, sp- a specific director does in all of his films that you just really find yourself attached to in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm. The first one that comes to mind for me it was actually since since we were uh, since Sorry to Bother You was on my mind was the Michelle Gondry style of like cardboard things and like funky homemade set design which is not only michelle gondry and not on all of his films but like so many of his films have it and in in a way where it's like only him like a a dui effect that he uses in his films yeah yeah and like and sorry to bother you riffs on it in that one scene where his room changes i said dui diy but yeah like i've always and you know i get disappointed when i see a michelle gondry movie and it doesn't have that which is my own issue not his but like that's the thing I always really enjoyed about his stuff is that it was so unique to him and he, the way he pulled it off was so cool and creative. And I always like, I always thought no one could ever match what he would do in that like cardboard homemade fundamental funky thing with science of sleep being one of my all time favorites in terms mm-hmm. of like romantic movie of just like, ah, he really nailed it with that with, but partially because of the dream world works well with it. But I don't know. That's something about Gondry. I really like his touch in that way. I constantly say that Gael Garcia Bernal should have started inception. Yeah. <laughs> of course that movie doesn't exist in our podcast so i don't know what we're talking I, about i don't know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> uh i'm a big fan of the cemetery in in wes anderson films uh and particularly though I, I like his opening credits they they seem to be very book related uh but that's kind of the first thing that jumps to my mind uh, i feel like i'm drawing a blank here i'll say one that does uh come to mind is that i know uh uh, James Cameron has a reputation for including sort of like close-ups of like feet running or marching whenever because he tends to be very militaristic a lot uh, in his movies and there's a there's a motif in all his movies that at some point you'll see a group of people walking or marching or running and they'll have a shot uh, of just their feet. I don't know why he's 
it's a different kind of foot fetish than the Tarantino one. Um, <laughs> yeah, his is kind of weird. It's, yeah, it's more specifically, I think, about like a group of people marching, like a power. It's like a power thing. Hmm. Uh, tends to show up a lot. But I, uh, you know, also I like the Doves and John Woo's movies. Yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cannot forget always, the Doves. Who doesn't like Doves? Always here for Doves. So uh, yeah, my second one would have been uh, Unlimited Bullets in John Woo movies. <laughs> Did you see the Seen new John like, Woo? What's that? Have you guys seen the new John Woo movie? I have. Head. I have. Yeah. What's it called again? I forgot. What's it called? Uh, Manhunt. Is it Manhunt? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Manhunt. Uh, yeah. Oh my, it, which has which has a dove scene. Thank God. It has a dove scene that has an explanation an explanation for why there are doves there, which I found to be very humorous. They <laughs> like play a part in the plot. Yeah. And also, it's just yeah. Yeah. They save the lead character, kind of actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, now you really need you gotta to watch it. it. It's on Netflix. Yeah, now, now I've gotta go see this movie. <laughs> it's got ne- it's on Netflix, not a sponsor. Uh, I don't it's... think they're ever gonna be a sponsor. They're, they've gotten too big for their britches. Abe, do you have a question? Yeah, do you guys have a? I don't I don't want to say favorite, but is there a a son or daughter of an actor or actress that you guys think? Yeah, this they're following along pretty well in their footsteps. Whether that be like you know Colin Hanks, John David Washington, Robert Downey all... Jr. seemed to do pretty well for himself. <laughs> yeah, I think this Sophia Coppola's got a future. <laughs> well, I'm thinking more of like the next generation, but I like, I like the what, stars cards. I'm sorry, who? Oh, the yeah, stars, the stars cards. cards. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Stars. Uh, yeah. I'll say, um, and this will come up again later, I think, in the episode. But uh, Wyatt Russell is someone that, uh, yeah, uh, if he's in yeah. a movie, I'm excited to see, you know, what he's doing. I think Damon yeah. Wayans Jr. is very funny. I think so too. Yeah, yeah actually, I'm kind of bummed that uh, I haven't really seen him a lot since uh, since uh, Happy what's endings? that show on ABC? Happy endings. Happy endings. Yeah. Or a new girl when he came back after Happy Endings was canceled. Did he did he stay recurring after that? He was on for like a season or two after Happy Endings yeah. was canceled. Mm. There's a, another one I'll mention is Donald Gleason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like, right. Yeah. Like damn talented and kind of outshining his dad at this point, but yeah, that's I. I always think about the relative who comes along, like, like you guys remember Kate Mara? Like, no one talks about Kate Mara anymore <laughs> because Rooney Mara is like the shit. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for Kate Mara. I always like her. Just fantastic. Four bombed. That's well. That's how I feel about um, Luke Hemsworth, my my second favorite Hemsworth. It's like finally we can get we can get <laughs> Liam, out, oldest brother. We can get Liam like, out of this yeah. picture. And we can focus on Luke Hemsworth in Westworld. <laughs> like he's, he's doing his job. Yeah. Yeah, to set his. Nobody mentioned uh, uh, Eastwood. Okay, yeah, that's, that's there's a reason. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Let's get to our poll question. Um, each week we uh, we ask a, a new we new we we put up a poll each week on the podcast lately, um, where we put two films against each other, and they're generally tied to the main film of the week in some way. And the idea here is that you vote for one to save said film, and the other uh, gets erased from existence. Um, and so this week we are talk we uh, we put uh, I put Dirty Cop Flicks up as the the poll question and i have the departed versus training day mm. and so before we get to our uh, listener response i want to ask you guys alex and david what did you what would you which one are you saving between these two training day no hesitation training day <laughs> wow the departed uh, is a uh, I, I i i don't like the departed very much basically martin scorsese just took a good movie called infernal affairs very good movie. and added an hour of like hand-wringing <laughs> and like brow furrowing, furrowing to it uh and then ended it with that stupid terrible shot of the rat is if we in case we didn't get it uh, uh, yeah Wait, I could, but i, I, I don't understand you didn't realize that boston was full of rats 
<laughs> I needed the symbolism to be really in my face. Uh, yeah, definitely training day. Alex, how about you? <laughs> I Well, now I have to confess I haven't actually seen training day, so I don't oh, think I... Oh, what? Oh. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. It's those Oscar-winning movies? Other, I never thought it back then, and I've never seen it since. The, the secret theme of this poll is also um, people that were awarded Oscars way late. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Martin Scorsese finally gets his directing Oscar here. And Denzel, mm-hmm. who already hasn't had an Oscar, but certainly has been overlooked for other probably more meaningful roles, I would say, than Training Day, um, gets his for Training Day. Uh, yeah, and they also, I mean, I, I feel like, not that I care about this, but by the definition Ethan Hawke is the lead of Training Day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet he was nominated for Supporting Actor and Denzel won for Lead Actor. Yeah, but right, like it's his—it's Ethan Hawke's story. It's right? his story. He's the one with I, the mean, arc. I wouldn't—I wouldn't pronounce it to be category fraud in the same way that I don't know Viola Davis being Supporting Actors uh, compared to Lead uh, Actors because I do think Denzel is—he's a lead. I, I see—I know what you're saying as far as whose story is being told, and right. I, I yeah. can't quite focus on. It's hard for me to kind of get the. The parameters the Oscars want to go by compared to what people campaign for, but I can, right. I, I'm more happy to accept the idea of Denzel as lead actor than I would be for certain other ones that I think are, kind of like I don't know, okay. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins is leading actor in Sounds of the Lambs, for example. It's like okay, right. <laughs> things like yeah. that. Abe, where are you in this? For sure, I'm saving Training Day. No hesitation, because uh, I'm on the same boat of Infernal Affairs is a superior movie to The Departed. Infer- yeah. yeah, I I agree. I also think. You know, nothing really, as far as erasing from history, Scorsese doesn't get his Oscar here, but he gets, he gets it for something else. But at the same time... I mean, he might I, get it for silence. I mean, it'd be wonderful. Still, be another, <laughs> another decade yeah, Maybe he would have got it for that uh, Rolling Stone, Rolling Stones concert movie with uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton rocking out. <laughs> what's that for, called? Uh, China what's, Light. China Light, yeah. I was trying to think of the other yeah. one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with Training Day. Uh, I just I think there's a, a greater impact on where things go from there versus uh versus the uh, the Departed. Regardless, we're all it does not matter. I've just voted because I do not see the results until I do this podcast now. Uh, Training Day uh, placed a 39% to the Departed, 61%. Uh, what? Wow. Oh, so despite most of us having all seen both films, um, <laughs> having to <laughs> argue for the latter. Uh, it seems like the, the, the Departed is going to stay while the training day will be erased from existence on this podcast. This is two weeks in a row. This has been an upset. Now, I'll, I'll say this, and David, you would be aware of this, too, because I put it on the the, uh, the L.A. OFCS page. Um, uh-huh. I, the Anaconda versus um, what was the other? Deep Blue Sea poll. I, I guess I, I, I made an error in when I set the end date to it. So it had not ended until like just a couple days ago. And so I made a very big, <laughs> I, I posted it, I reposted it a lot to try to swing the votes. It still did not work, but I got it a lot closer. <laughs> so Yeah, it definitely backfired in my case because you posted it on Facebook saying, Hell, you know, vote for Anaconda. And I was like, oh, I didn't know what this poll. I'm definitely voting for Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> <laughs> but so there we have it. We're, we're, lo- we're losing more movies. It's saving other ones, <laughs> but we can still talk about the Departed and Deep Blue Sea all the time. <laughs> so there we the go. Departed, yeah. All yeah. right, let's move uh, on. I'm, I, I'm sad. I'm sad about uh, the poll results there. I feel like Antoine Fuqua gets the shaft again. That guy gets <laughs> no, doesn't get enough respect. I mean, I really hated the Equalizer too, so I'm not the best. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not feeling <laughs> the best for Antoine Fuqua right now. But at the same time, I know what you're saying. I do think he's a reliable. He also, let's not forget, he directed uh, Kate Mara vehicle shooter. 
This is true. Wahlberg, Mara, Ned Betty, da- Ned Danny Betty. Glover, uh, Michael Danny Glover. Pena. I know this movie very well for seeing it once. <laughs> it's, yes, it's, it's certainly a movie. Um, all right. That's enough of the poll. And that's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. All right, let's move on. Let's get out of quickies. Yeah. Each week on Movie of the Week, they're talking about there's always movies of the week. That's how they play when quickies. Trademark. I actually heard everything you said that time. I moved quickly, but I moved accurately. That's what I like to mm-hmm. say. Um, Alex. Yes? What movies have you seen recently? Um, I only watched uh, To All the Boys I Loved. Is that what it's called? Yes. No, To All the Boys the I've movie. Loved Before. Yeah, the Netflix movie, which I liked. It's super cute. It's like sucking on a sweet, beyond sweet lollipop for 90 minutes. It's good. I just didn't love it, but I don't know. It's good to hear. Right. Well, I don't right. know how much more I should say. <laughs> it's out no quickies. You can be as quick as you want on these things. Great, so. Mark. Yeah. Thank you, Abe. Uh, Abe, how about you? What have you seen recently? I rewatched Infinity War. Uh, still fun to watch. And I also watched uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which was weird because it was a double feature with Black Klansman. And I, I was uh, feeling multiple feelings, I guess, throughout both of them. Well, we'll talk more about that one next week. Later, yeah. <laughs> David, how about you? What have you seen recently? Well, I know you want to talk about Alpha, so we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you told me you wanted to talk about Alpha. But I watched, I want to direct people's attention to, I watched a, um, a brand new um, uh, release from Scream Factory. It comes out, either just came out or it comes out this week, I think, of a 1991 horror film called The Unborn. Oh, I mentioned this uh, last week, yeah. What's that? I, yeah, it came out last week. I, I mentioned it. In okay, our, yeah. Our um, starring uh, Brooke Adams, who I think is probably best known for maybe The Dead Zone or Invasion the of Body 70s Snatchers. Body Snatchers movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and she plays a woman who uh, can't get, get pregnant, and then she goes to this doctor, played by the great character actor James Karen, hmm. uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, uh, uh, I can do that. And then it turns out all the... All the women that he's helping getting pregnant are, are growing these like mutant demon babies in them, uh, and the movie is it's a crazy premise that gets even crazier than what I just mm. described. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't hold back. That's a movie that fully fully commits to its evil babies uh, premise. So I definitely want to recommend people check out The Unborn. That sounds like oh, it good, sounds like I'm never gonna watch it. Sounds like a good double feature with The Brood. That's exactly what I thought. Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it is, that, that is, uh, yeah, that'd be perfect. The, uh, the Cronenberg film. <laughs> now, did you see Alpha? I have not seen Alpha. I'm just very curious about okay. it because we, Abe and I, we've, Has anyone... we've talked about we, this trailer. <laughs> we oh. mentioned it like super late in a podcast one time because it, it would appear as a trailer for a movie we watched. And I was like, have you guys seen this trailer that I've never heard of this movie about? Well, the movie, uh, Alex, have you seen it? No, not yet. Okay, so the movie was done like, a year ago. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think the reason that it took forever for them to put it out is because they didn't know what to do with it because it's, it's not like in that it's, it's, it's the origin story of all like boy and his dog type movies. Cause it's about the first, it takes place 20,000 years ago. It's what the, the first time a, a, a human or a Cro-Magnon uh, domesticated a wolf. Mm-hmm. And so you'd think, that sounds like a family movie, right? And it is PG yeah. rated, but also it's like pretty intense. And it also takes place entirely in a language that they invented for the movie mm-hmm. with subtitles. So like, it's such a weird... All of it is subtitled? 
Yeah, I well, mean, well, most you, of the movie, it's just the boy and the and the, and the wolf. I was gonna say, is there he, is there much talking in this movie? I mean, that's that's the other question I had. Yeah, you. It would have been funny if they had just not subtitled, <laughs> just yeah, had yeah. them speaking. Uh, but um, which it, it, it's such a strange choice. But I'm not like talking smack about the movie. I don't think it's entirely successful, but it's. Uh, it really is its own thing, and I, and uh, you know, uh, I definitely think it's uh, worth seeing. And it's, and I say this very rarely because I'm generally a 3D skeptic. It uses 3D very well. So it's directed uh, by what? Is it Albert Hughes? I know it's one of the yeah, it's, it's Albert Hughes. It's Albert Hughes' first movie on so, his own. Yeah, because I know yeah. what's the other Hughes brother's name? Um, Alan. Alan. Hughes. I know he, couple... he's done a couple things. Yeah. So, so, yeah. but like, what I like about the Hughes brothers when they make movies is that they're very visually interesting. And so yeah. I'm curious, how, yeah. how is Alpha very, like, I mean, you're saying the 3D is used well, so that makes me think that the visuals are probably used very, you know. Yeah, it definitely feels, I mean, it, the, it, it takes place in Europe 20,000 years ago. That's, like, the first, like, title card. And he definitely does a lot to the landscape. I think a lot of it is post-production. There's a lot of, like, obviously color timing. I think a ton of CG sort of augmentation to the landscape that makes it look very beautiful and sort of foreboding at the same time. And the dog actor who's... uh Real name is Chuck, according to the credits. Um, is great. <laughs> I, I like the idea of you sitting in the credits thinking, okay, so what's this dog name? I gotta write that down, and you did. <laughs> Always, come on. It's memorable because I like when dogs have just like people names. Chuck is just a fun name for oh, a yeah, dog. Oh no, yeah, I I, I, I like <laughs> reading the credits and seeing the names of the animals used. I just like the idea that you're like you're hurrying to write that in your notes somewhere. <laughs> what's the dog name? But yeah. I agree with you, David. That I, I'm I'm a fan of like real people names as well instead of like. Fluffy. It's like no, his name is Ryan. Yeah, yeah. My 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 brother uh, just adopted a dog yesterday. Um, the the shelter had named the dog Two Chains. Uh, that's not really my brother's <laughs> brand, so they were thinking about changing it to Rupert. <laughs> Rupert. There you go. Uh, weird, weirdly enough, while doing this podcast, an email popped up on my iPad saying Two Chains gets married. I'm like, why? I, I was about to say, you know, we should wish the Maltatab to Two Chain. <laughs> So, it all connects. I've seen a couple of things this week that I want to make note of. Yeah. Um, uh, first is Mile 22. This is the latest Berg-Berg joint, that being Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg. Um, uh-huh. Their first non-real-life-based film together. Um, it has Wahlberg as, I guess, the leader of like a covert op CAA team where, I don't know, they, they handle missions that are important for whatever reason. Uh, it's basically the IMF, but just way grittier. And this movie's what? not very good. It's weird, I'm telling you. So the concept here is that Mark Wahlberg, he plays a, he plays a character who's on the spectrum. And, and so if there's one thing you want to see, it's super smart Mark Wahlberg being challenged by authority while trying to handle a mission. Because that's what you get. Um, he is a no-nonsense, fast-talking, smart guy who's also really good with guns and fighting. This seems like You've just <laughs> described the accountant. That's that's exactly what or, I thought. Or like the brother in the accountant. Oh, this is exactly what I thought of while watching this movie. He's like, oh, so this is like him doing Ben Affleck's thing in the, in the Accountants, where he's like, he's both super smart and misunderstood, but also really good at fighting. And so that's his character, and he's an asshole about it the entire movie because it's Mark Wahlberg, and he has a team of people that are also assholes. They're all unlikable people. And then Iko Uwe's from the raid. He comes along and he's like, guys, I got like the codes of some weapons, and you got to get me out of the country, and I'll give them to you. And that's the plot of the movie. It's like they have to go, they have to travel 22 miles from their base to an airfield so they can get out of it. And then just people are just attacking them at every turn. So it's like like the gauntlet or like 16 blocks as far as we need to get a guy from point A to point B and people are going to try to stop us on the way. And 
that should be neat as far as, well, you have a person that I know can direct action and people that are good at action movies in them, um, you know, making their way through this. But for some reason, Berg's like, well, I have a guy that's great at martial arts. I should shoot this 10 feet away from his face at every second and then choppily edit it. And so the action's terrible oh. in this movie. It's really yeah. bad. And, it, you know, coming in a summer that's given us some great action movies, including Mission Impossible Fallout. It's like, okay, this is just terrible. Like, I can't see anything going on. It's in grim, dirty, dusty settings, so it just looks awful the whole time. And I don't want to go too far into spoilers on this thing, and I'm not going to, but I will say there is a line towards the end of this movie that's delivered to Mark Wahlberg where they say, say hi to your mother for me. Oh, really? Yes. An Andy Samberg line. Yes, and it's, like, I literally raised my hands in the air. I was like, what the... That's that was it was so out of nowhere, and the, and the to, to be fair, this movie takes itself very seriously. So it's like I don't know why a meta joke out of nowhere is coming up all of a sudden. It does apply to the plot. There is a reason why he says this phrase to Mark Wahlberg, but it's such a. It feels as if like Mark Wahlberg had been insulted so much by having this meme come up on Saturday Night Live that he decided to pitch Berg an idea of like, hey. I have, a, I have a movie that ends with this line and we should work backwards from here. Like, that's what it ends up feeling like. <laughs> like, he's wanted to get his vengeance on the fact that this exists, and so he's made his own movie to justify the fact that this line now is in the world. It kind of sounds like something Mark Wahlberg would actually do. It, it feels like it's petty enough to be that way. That said, this is supposedly the first of a trilogy. There's supposed to be sequels to this thing. It's, a, it's just... It's, it's a nonsense movie. It's not very good. But it doesn't cost. It didn't cost that much, so you know more power to them, I guess, if they're gonna. Okay, because I was gonna say, promise. like, you know, for what it made in the box office, it's not gonna be a, tr- a trilogy. It did, thir- but... it did thirteen million its first week, and it cost like thirty-five to make and whatever. So okay. it's like, that and it's STX not... that seems That's... to like, and they had there's like eight produ- like eight different production companies on this thing, so it's like most from China. Uh, so it's like I guess it's possible. Like <laughs> it's it's the yeah. way they spend money on these things. I mean, Berg and Wahlberg, their movies have made progressively less over time. Deepwater Horizon and. Patriot's Day after Lone Survivor was a hit. So it's like, Peter Berg, you know, he's, he keeps getting to make movies, but here we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Mile 22. I've taken a lot of time to talk about that movie because there's <laughs> so much going on in it that I wanted to make reference to. Uh, but I have seen a number of other movies that are all very good. Um, so I'll just go through this quickly. I had a bit of a John Wayne weekend with Anna. Uh, so we watched Red River and uh, Stagecoach. Uh, both excellent films. Uh, <laughs> Stagecoach would be a great double feature with uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Red River, that's just a really strong movie. I um, I got Red River during the Barnes & Noble 50% off Criterion sale, and I was like, well, Red River has this, like, deluxe, like, it has the original book and, like, two versions of the film and all these extra features. Like, I would be a fool not to get this for 50% off. So I totally went for it and was very happy to watch it. Uh, very good movie. Uh, Stagecoach I've seen plenty of times before, but I was happy to watch it again as well. Um, and lastly, I'll mention uh, Cape Fear, the original with uh, Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. Just a um, <laughs> a fantastic psychological thriller. Uh, very well made. Holds up very well. I'm very happy to to watch that again. And be like, yeah, this is this is what, still good. This is what horror yeah. was like in the '60s, and it works mm. really well as far as how effectively thrilling it can be. Uh, as far as what what you're kind of allowed to show at that time and how visceral the feeling can be to watch it. Um, so yeah. So yeah, I've watched all those. That's what I watched. Uh, that's uh, that's enough quickies. Trademark. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to our trailer talk um, real quick. We talk about a new movie trailer, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, what have you. Uh, this one came out a 
few weeks ago, but we never actually talked about it. Uh, so I'm going to get to it now. It is Overlord. It is the... It's a J.J. Abrams production, although it's not... When I say that, I, t I tend to go straight to... So it's one of those Cloverfield movies. This is this is not one of those Cloverfield movies. It just happens to be a... Are you sure? We don't know for sure, I guess. <laughs> it could be. It could be, I suppose. But everything's pointing away from it. That said, it is a filmmaker known for his mystery box. So who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe we're in Cloverfield, guys. That's what I'm saying. Um, but this film is directed <laughs> by uh, Julius Avery. Um, it's, set it's set on the eve of, of, of D-Day during World War II. Uh, there's some paratroopers that are caught across the enemy lines. They stumble into what seems to be evil Nazi experiments. And I'll just leave it at that. Let's start with you, David. What do you think of this trailer? I, I, it's it's interesting in a way that we're talking about this trailer the same week we're talking about Black Klansman. Uh -huh. Because it feels like this is a movie from an era before the recent years where like Nazis are... like. A, a big thing again mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it feels it feels weird now like if this movie came out in the 90s it'd be like yeah nazis were sort of like often used as sort of uh just general bad guys yeah. or whatever nazis and but zombies feels... tends to kind of tends to fall about it's like you don't have to care about these they're nazis <laughs> yeah. or they're zombies who cares they're... <laughs> yeah but it, it it feels weird now to be using nazis like, go back to using nazis as the the villain in this sort of like uh a, this fun schlocky B movie type of type of thing. Maybe that's just me not being able to get out of my own head. Uh, but other than that, the movie looks like it it could be it could be good. I guess it's got uh, it has Wyatt Russell in it, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's something. <laughs> How about you, Alex? What'd you think of the trailer? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think it looks cool. Um, this was supposed to be the Cloverfield movie. That's why it like there was a rumor that this was going to be the next movie they would turn into the Cloverfield movie. Like they sh they shot it all independently, and then in the post production process, they were going to turn it into it. But then you see this trailer, and you're like, "This is a horror movie. How can they make it into a sci fi movie?" But that's the other thing is, I had thought it was supposed to be a sci fi thing. Like I had thought the plot was they get across enemy lines, and they find like kind of like Hellboy or something. They find out that they've invented this machine that like t turns back time or some you know does something crazy with sci fi. Um, and then when it gets into the horror stuff, I'm like, okay, cool, but this just looks a little bit like every other World War II zombie movie or any other zombie movie. Um, but I still think it looks cool, and I'm and I'm always happy that uh, Bad Robot is allowing these like very new filmmakers to make something original and crazy and cool and kind of support them in that way. In that, like, this should be a tiny indie that gets made on a tiny budget that barely finds a distributor, but instead it's made by freaking Bad Robot, which immediately gives it clout, and Paramount's yeah. going to release it, and we're going to see what it is, and maybe it is cool, maybe it is awesome, and maybe it is, and I, I mean, thank goodness it is not a Cloverfield movie, because based on what we see in this trailer, I think it's just going to be a cool zombie horror World War II thing, and I hope it delivers more than what we see. Like, I don't want just creepy dudes with half skin flying off their face, like, I want some intense, like, awesome, gnarly, bloody action. It I hope that goes in that direction too, Alex. <laughs> uh, what you said there was interesting because I also feel the same way. This movie, when it starts out, it kind of looks like it's an independent small movie film that, that shouldn't be distributed in, in major theaters. But um, as it goes along, uh, you're right that kudos to Bad Robot for... When, when Hell's Bells start playing. 
<laughs> and also, like the look of it looks like it's uh, not not in, not a student film, but it certainly looks like it's made uh, with like budget in mind kind of thing. But uh, all that being said, though, I I kind of dug the trailer. I, I thought, well, this is going to be boring. When it first starts out, I thought this is going to be boring. This is just another oh behind enemy lines. Oh no, dramatic like World War Two movie. And then it arcs in the trailer, and I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I I'm more intrigued now. And as you go along. I kept on thinking, this feels like a Castle Wolfenstein kind of movie, and yep. then the Overlord, the Overlord logo comes up. It's like that looks like the Castle Wolf, Castle Wolfenstein uh, text and font. Uh, but with all that being said, I I am intrigued. I hope, uh, like Alex, I hope that it has you know not just like regular fast action zombie type things, but like I don't know somehow they all glob together and become like one master Overlord type evil dude, and you've got to go oh. through like boss levels. I, I can't imagine Julius Avery like making this movie and not thinking like oh, Castle Wolf. I, I can't imagine that not coming up whatsoever as far as this type of movie goes, uh, even if it's not you know explicitly based on a video game or going for that kind of vibe. But I can't, I can't imagine that you know that that thought never came to mind to anybody making this thing. That's it. I dug this trailer as well. I, I was a fan. I look forward to seeing where this goes. I like that it's written by Billy Ray. Um, who seems to jump between like making good movies that few people see and writing like really schlocky movies like Volcano or Flight Plan or <laughs> <laughs> things like that. In addition to like Captain Phillips and some other notable things. But it's like here's the guy that like directed Breach and it's like also I wrote this, you know, World War Two zombie movie, because why not? Like that's that's the kind of thing I'm good at. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I like what I'm seeing here. I like the people involved. Uh the lead guy, uh Joven Adepo, I've seen him in a few things. He was in Fences. He was Denzel Sun. He's in Fences, in Fences. yeah. Um he's in Mother briefly. He was on the leftovers um, in like I think like the second, mostly the second season. Um, so it's like, yeah, all right. I, and as we, the aforementioned Wyatt Russell, who this podcast is apparently now a big fan of, um, we <laughs> <laughs> there's there's things to look forward to for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, Overlord hits theaters November 9th, uh, you know, later this year. So we'll uh, see where that goes. Right, time for award season. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on from all that. Let's get to our main film of the week now as we discuss Black Klansman. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face to face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. That should have been some of the trailer for Black Klansmen. In a year that's been quite inspiring for moviegoers when it comes to seeing diverse representation, specifically for black culture, we've gotten the Afrofuturistic superhero blockbuster Black Panther, two Oakland-based films exploring race relations and class-based societies in various ways with Sorry to Bother You and Blindspotting, among other films that have recently hit theaters. Spike Lee now has come along with Black Klansman, a film based off some for-real, for-real shit that's already won him the Grand Prix at Cannes <laughs> Film Festival this past spring. 
This story centers around Ron Stallworth, played by John David Washington, the first black police officer in Colorado Springs who manages to infiltrate the KKK through unorthodox methods using Adam, Adam Driver's detective Flip Zimmerman as a physical cover when it comes to time to meeting up with the local chapter of the hate group. From there, we get an undercover cop story that provides an outlet for Lee's take on racial politics and plenty more. Let's start with uh, let's start with Alex. Uh, you saw this film a while back, I believe, at the at the yeah. Con Film Festival. Yeah, I did, and I have another crazy connection to it in a weird way. Um, because I saw it at Canada, the, the first press screening, and the, it t- comes up, and the title card is Colorado Springs, and I'm like losing my shit because I grew up in Colorado Springs. Hey, oh. That's like. Yeah, and at, and at first I'm like, oh god, what is this going to do to Colorado Springs? But the other really, the other really fascinating thing is that I had never heard of this story before. And obviously, it's a true story. The 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 real guy has written a book, and it's come out, and he's talking recently. But I had never heard of this. And then later, I'm reading about it though, and it says that um, the reason it never came out is that it was kept quiet, and like I don't know if there were NDAs, but it was just like no one ever talked about it for a long time until he wrote his book. Mm-hmm. So I always thought to myself like. Oh my God! If we had only known this as like people growing up in Colorado Springs, it would have been a whole bit different discussion. Because then I'm like, man, I didn't know there were KKK in Colorado Springs, but I guess there were. But anyway, sorry. Uh, I really, really liked the movie. Um, it wasn't one of my favorites in Cannes, but uh, that's a different story. But I, I, I do feel at times it's a little bit like I don't think this is the right word, but clunky in the way it moves and a little bit exaggerated for purposeful reason, like for effect in a way. But the rest of it is just so damn good and so sharp in its humor in the way like they just break down the humor. It, like I, I've really enjoyed how the, the current trend for certain artists and certain filmmakers to combat the current racial societal feelings in America is with humor, is with humor in making fun of the KKK and the, the, the quote unquote Nazis and these kind of people because it's such a great way to like – not only attack them, but attack them in a way where you're like, yeah, man, this is just stupid. Like the, the, every scene and every moment where they're making fun of the KKK is just hilarious. And, and, and watching them bumble around in their, in their idiocy is funny. And obviously it reaches the boiling point at the end. Um, spoilers where it kind of connects everything modern day to what's happening in the world. And I felt like that was Spike Lee's like, hey, you watched a good, fun piece of real entertainment, but also don't forget there's like real shit happening out there, and this is an important film for that sake too. And when that all came together, that really hit me and made me be like, this is not just a pure, fun entertainment kind of film, but there's also so much powerful meaning to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's where I'll start. <laughs> all right. David, how about you? What did you think of Black Klansman? Uh, yeah, I, well, I'll echo one, one thing that, that Alex talked about, which is how funny it is. And I... When if there's a movie coming out that I know I want to see, I intentionally like avoid reading too much of it, let alone watching trailers. Right. So I, I guess in retrospect, if I had seen the trailer, I would have known that this is a funny movie because they're definitely being sold that way. But I was really surprised uh, at how funny it is, especially um, given the thing Alex talking about, how much it, it relates to uh, to today and how heavy um, that stuff comes across. And so Spike Lee balances that. Uh, very well. Um, I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not surprised that Spike Lee made a statement with this movie. He usually. He often does. Does that. That's a big part of who he is, and um, something that I like about him. Uh, but the other thing that I was surprised about is how uh, how much it is. You know, we we think of like there's like the Spike Lee type movies that like do the right thing in Chirac, which feel like Spike Lee movies, and then he makes 
genre films too. It makes Old Boys or or uh, Inside Man's or Miracle of Saint Anna and stuff like that. And I was surprised how well this movie works as just the like an undercover cop genre because that is a subgenre to itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie has all of those those trademarks, you know, the like almost getting found out and and the scenes of surveillance and and stuff like that. And it it it, it really works as a genre movie. And I think that sort of familiarity and that relatability maybe makes its uh, its messaging more palatable to viewers and probably makes it stick with them longer. Hey, how about you? Yeah, I found this movie really uh, engaging on a on a funny comedy level, but I also found it very engrossing on a just like just like on a history telling level. Spike Lee tends to do this in some of his movies as well, where he'll he'll take some time out too. I I'm I'm specifically thinking of, of the Harry Belafonte scene where uh kind of just like relaying some historical facts to you. Um, but also uh, this kind of makes me interested in, in, in watching Shirek because I remember that you mentioned that John Cusack has this really good uh yeah, he gets like, like a monologue minute, sermon yeah, a twenty minute sermon that he delivers in the middle of the film. Uh, right. And yeah. so when Corey Hawkins is doing his thing here and they're showing all these uh, young black faces and old black faces uh, in the screen in a very dramatic light, I was like, you know, this is I'm very curious to see how Spike Lee wrote uh, some of the stuff in Chirac. But with all that being said, though, um, as far as the plot goes, I, I agree with Alex that it feels a little clunky um, just because you you are given the setup and you are given the the high points but then when it reaches i guess where it it kind of post action sequence it's like oh i i kind of this feels like a, a quick turn of events in terms of just uh how it all plays out but uh, that being said it's based off of fact so i'm pretty sure that they kind of just transitioned it the way that it needed I, I, I'll, I'll note that there are things, especially towards the end of this movie, that just pl- flat out did not happen. <laughs> okay, all right, because I'm, I'm, I'm curious about into, that. No, I said I want to get into the, the factual stuff, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Finish, finish. Um, <laughs> and I also want to point out that I'm glad that this also takes into account that it's not just white guys, it's also white women at that time that were, that were uh, complicit with all this stuff, too. Um, hashtag complicit. Um, the, uh, the, the final thing I'll say is that I also agree that everything about the interactions with the Ku Klux Klan is hilarious because, uh, that, that actor from I, Tanya, uh, Paul, Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah. That guy is just like, this is a perfect role for this guy because it's <laughs> almost like the same transition from that dude and I, Tanya to this and this like, no, I'm a secret agent and no, nobody knows that I'm a secret agent because otherwise why would it be a secret agent type thing? It's like, see, this is exactly correct. But there's a lot of great social commentary. And then as it wraps up and it, it hits you with the actual events that are happening in this past couple of years. Um, yeah, you are emotionally affected and you are, uh, or at least I hope that you are emotionally affected. And I, I kind of, but yes, I agree that it was a good piece of entertainment. But by the way, there were actual still uh, consequences that are happening today. And uh, it, it is a, a very um, sober reminder of all of that. Um, I am very positive on this movie. I think it's absolutely terrific. You you mentioned clunky. And when I, when I hear that, I think, for one thing, Spike Lee, yes, he tends to make movies that are a bit overlong. Um and I, I feel like I'm at a point where I just accept the sort of messiness that comes with a lot of Spike Lee movies as far as how much he's trying to pack in, what kind of messaging he's trying to put out there, and how many 
different characters and takes he's trying to work in. At the same time, watching it a, a second time, I saw it with Anna yesterday, um, I do think the film is both cut for efficiency and has time to breathe. Uh, I, I think it, it gets to the point it's trying to get to, but it also allows moments for characters to interact that aren't specifically about mo you know uh, moving the plot forward. Um, and that time is usually dedicated to having certain discussions about you know the general themes of the movies in some ways, or just further deepening who these characters are. And what I think that helps with is basically just putting a shining light on these actors and how great of a job they're doing. I think that across the board, um, this is a, ter a terrific group of performances, um, including the people playing the KKK members. I mean, we're not supposed to be sympathetic to them, but it certainly takes, I think, a lot of... <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine the emotional state some people have to put themselves into play like this horrible of a person at a lot of times. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, especially in a film that's being directed by Spike Lee, where you have to use all certain phrases, lingo and interactions and, you know, manifest a certain level of hate that you might otherwise just not have in you. So it's seeing stuff like that and watching it move along in that way. I found I find that to be quite interesting. It's it's neat where we talk about the comedy of this. And I do think the film is very funny. Um, but uh, in both times that I've seen it now, I do think the way he's using humor is certainly in the same way where you laugh in like a horror movie as far as there's an awkwardness to what's happening or there's an uncomfortableness to what's going on where you can only laugh to kind of handle it. That's not to say that things like Topher Grace just being an idiot as David Duke isn't funny. It is. <laughs> um, but I do think there is a side of me watching this movie that thinks this is, this is a lot of this is a horror show of what Adam Driver has to kind of sink himself into as he has to kind of work his way to be a part of this thing and you see a lot of imagery and a lot of uh, dialogue exchange between people that's just it's horrible i mean it's obviously horrible and it's not like lee has to go very far to heighten what the clan is he's just presenting them as they are it seems <laughs> and i found that to all be very affecting and yes the film you know does close in a way where it certainly puts things into perspective as far as how far we haven't come um, which is both a shame, but also, very, I think, very important. And it just makes me very happy that this movie's doing quite well uh, currently. But yeah, I, I'm, a big fan, I'm a big fan of this film. I think it's one of Spike Lee's best. I think it's one of... The, and something that's kind of been bugging me, actually, I hear a lot of it's his best movie since, like, Do the Right Thing or Malcolm X, and it's like, I don't think Spike Lee's been slouching That's a, that That's much. a long time. It's a long time, and it's like, <laughs> Spike Lee is a, he's pretty prolific at this point. He has a film out, like, at least every couple of years, and a lot of them are really, really good. <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, I think David, you and I, we're both big fans of Chirac, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, very much. Uh-huh. Uh, there's been some stumbles along the way. I mean, it happens. I mean, I, but I certainly, sure. I mean, but I, like, I'm a bigger fan of Summer, the, Summer Sand than a lot of people seem to be. I think Bamboozled is way yeah. ahead of its time. 25th Hour, I think, gets plenty of love. So people seem to forget that yeah. one for some reason all of a sudden, ever since this movie came out. People also mention Inside Man quite a bit whenever Inside, I... And Inside Man, like, that's his, like, his big blockbuster movie. I mean, or at least, and yeah. Let's not forget, as we see with the, what happens at the end of Black Klansman, I think he's one of our greatest working documentarians as yes. well. Yes, uh-huh. Um, the the Michael Jack the Bad Twenty Five is so great. Uh, when the Levees Broke, so great. Obviously, uh, Four Little Girls. Um, he's made a ton of great documentaries. Yeah, I mentioned last week I watched Four Little Girls because uh, I was just catching up on some slightly movies I haven't seen in a while or what have you. And yeah, Four Little Girls is <laughs> and very very watchable. And it's not like it's it's not long either. <laughs> like it's 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 easy to not easy, but it's you know you can put that on and be done with it and be like, oh, that was really good, and not have you know, not have spent much time doing so. Uh, I, right. mean, I say that just because it's streaming on, on HBO, 
uh, so you know you can easily find hmm. if said if you want there to. You go. Um, but no, I Spike Lee as a filmmaker, I, I very much do respect and, and and I'm very much excited every time he has a film out because I do think he's one of the more unique voices um, as far as mainstream film directors go. The one that's not afraid to kind of dive headfirst into something as opposed to lightly addressing topics, um, which yeah makes makes me support things that he tries to do even if they don't always work out. But anyway, yeah. let's talk more about this movie. Um, <laughs> this makes me want to talk about the, the the reality versus fiction part of it because you mentioned documentary and, and his ability mm-hmm. to to see clearly. I mean, th- there were moments in it that made me think like, this is so unbelievable. Did this really happen? Like the the time where he grabs the the KKK guys and takes the picture at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know. And I thought to myself like, is this real? And it must be real. And then I didn't even think about it for the rest of it. But then um, uh, Boots Riley wrote this long sort of dissertation essay about. What his frustrations with the film and a lot of what he mentions is how inaccurate or just like made up some of this was and that's what's fascinating mm. to me like apparently he mentioned the bombing was made up and uh, aaron maybe you said you know more of this this is not true I, right i'll mention boots riley by the way is the director of sorry to bother you who people that might not be aware um yeah he wrote a a, a long dissertation it seems on, on spike lee's black clansman um i'm exaggerating but he wrote a big thing and he tweeted it out because uh, that's what he's doing now and I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know all the specifics as far as everything that's inaccurate versus accurate in this film. At the same time, yes, there are major events that take place, but what I see this as is more of, yeah, he's making a movie, and it needs to have kind of an arc and uh, work for the way of cinema as opposed to what the book is, which is more of a, a mem- like a procedural memoir, essentially. That's what the, the, yeah. the Black Klansman novel is. So, yeah, it doesn't have, like, various characters. Like, Flip Zimmerman is not a real character. He's more, He's a... I guess it's a character. It's a person whose name is. They gave the a different name, and I think it's even a, not necessarily an amalgamation, but it's certainly it's different than just one you know one Jewish guy that they used. Like it's a, there's something else going on. Sure, there. Uh, but there's a lot okay. of things like yeah. that, and within that, I I look at this as more of yeah. There's a premise here that's based in reality. And it's not as if the real Ron Stallworth's been like out of out of you know not involved with this whatsoever. He's been touring with Lee on this movie, so it's yeah. I, I'm not looking at it as a you know it needs to be a straight representation of what actually happened. But as far as the the high concept idea of a black man infiltrates the KKK in the 1970s, that's that's a great head, that's a great like high concept right there. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd want to see a a movie that takes that to its extremes, that puts it into the the lens of things that are going on and in a way that works as a as a genre piece which i think this movie very much does regardless of how accurate it needs to be because again it's not a documentary it's a film yeah i was gonna say well, that think... too okay. oh, i'm sorry go ahead no you go ahead i was gonna say that yeah it's it's a work of entertainment and work of fiction or not they have to fictionize some parts of it i mean this is this is kind of when you guys were telling me that oh, okay well it's an amalgamation of a few different people the first thing i thought of was uh, zero dark 30 where maya is not Maya, it's it's a it's a host of of uh, mm. uh, analyst intelligence workers uh, at the CIA, right? So, for the purposes of of general audiences and for the purposes of trying to spread this out here, yeah, you probably have to take some liberties. I mean, nothing's ever. Whenever anything says that it's you know based on a true story, there are elements of the true story, but of course you have to <laughs> write some stuff that's going to make it a little bit more quote unquote entertaining as well. Well, okay. I guess I'll be the guy who I'm not who's maybe a little bit more on Boots Riley's side here because For I think sure. there's a difference. Yeah, I, I, I generally don't have a problem with taking some liberties when you're adapting a true story. That's fine because it's based on a true story. It's not actually a true story. It's fine. But I think 
the difference is in what Boots Riley is uh, accusing Spike Lee of is contradicting the truth. Uh-huh. Um, ah. The one, the like, because the one that always sticks out to me is um, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, um, which I didn't oh. think was a great movie anyway. But to take, but the the woman who wrote Mary Poppins, ne- she never came around. She was never like, oh, it turns out they did make a great movie after all. And so to show her as being like moved by the movie they made of her work at, at the end to me that it, that goes beyond just taking liberties that's a that's a, a little bit of an insult to her to her memory and so what boot Riley is saying uh about black Klansmen is not just that they yeah the bombing thing the bombing plot yeah, yeah. There's, wasn't, there's a lot wasn't real that, that whole thing i i'm aware of that too but keep going i'm sorry it, it, yeah it, what, he, what he's saying is that the movie depicts the colorado springs police department as mostly heroic and he believes it was the opposite that they were working uh the the way we see them at the beginning working against um the the black student union and the Kwame and the Kwame Turi Turi speech that's what they were interested in that's the kind of group that they were actually interested in infiltrating and disrupting Mm. and and the in to go beyond just the 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 facts just in general Boots Riley has a problem with Spike Lee depicting an American police department <laughs> as as heroic at all, which is I'm not sure. I I didn't feel that the movie took that as strong a stance on that as Boots Riley does. I thought it was more of a it presented it as an option, like maybe the police can be this. Um, that that was how I interpreted uh, the facts because the movie does not dismiss. Um, uh, Patrice, um, the the leader of the Black Student Union, it, it, the movie doesn't dismiss her problems with the police force at all. It doesn't tell you that she's wrong for not okay. trusting cops. You, you know, I, I I think that that is part of the conversation, and I think it seemed like maybe Riley wanted Spike Lee to be more definitively damning cops, and I think Sp- Spike Lee is maybe willing to have the conversation. Here's the uh, yeah. Here's what gets me about that. For one thing, it's it's this isn't Spike Lee's first movie, and he's had a whole career where he's had other movies that have explored the corruption of police forces. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. that, that's that, it's not like this is the first. It's like, huh, I'm gonna make a movie about cops finally, and I'm gonna take their side, which he's not. I don't think he's doing either in this movie. And, if, and uh-huh. specifically related to this movie, we are only seeing a handful of police officers. We're only seeing one department, and specifically certain cops in this department and how their views are. I think the what's his name, Robocop. What's what's Robert? What's Robocop's name, Robert? <laughs> Robert John Burke. Robert, Robert John Burke. Burke. I, I do think for what... Robocop John Burke. Yeah, Robo, Robo Burke. <laughs> for what Robert Burke is arguing, what Boots Riley is arguing, I think we do, I mean, we do see in a in a, a limited light for sure as far as what maybe the rest of the Colorado Springs Police Department might have been more involved with compared to, you know, four officers that were on, that were specifically on this case. And even by the end of this film, the you know the act the activities of this investigation are suddenly taken out because of budget disputes and it's i mean they're i i what i've what i'm reading what i'm hearing as far as what riley's argument here seems to be like stuff that's on the fringe that is basically just not what the story's about it's not it's not about indicting the colorado police force necessarily it's about telling this specific story and sure you can 
complain about not getting the movie that you wanted in the movie that you saw, but I don't know how far that's going to take you, especially when there's so much else going on that can be addressed in the film. No, I just was going to say that I saw this kind of like Spike Lee was fascinated by the like anomaly of Ron Stallworth being a police officer and like breaking into it and not trying to sympathize with the police department. And it was like, I'm going to tell that anomaly story of how this person could have done this and have been a police officer, which is, I was going to mention there was a, there was a Sundance film this year, um, Monsters and Men. It's also has yeah. a, a black police officer character who's kind of like touching upon that idea of how do you balance being that kind of uh, 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 someone who desires to to be right and just, yet also watching everyone around you be unjust and be terrible. And like, there's a little bit of that in Black Klansman, much more in other films. But that's that is a real character. That is something real. So right. And the point Monsters that I was also with, has John David Washington in a small role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, worth, I, I hadn't heard of this mentioned. movie, so I'm interested now, and I see it coming. It's coming uh, out in it got it got picked up. I saw it at Sundance. It got picked up by Neon. I don't know if they have a release date yet, but it's also playing TIFF in a, in a few weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's on the September twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. I guess that's yeah. a TIFF oh. day, probably. So that isn't time for some of the award season stuff. But uh, the point that we're all talking about here, which kind of made me harken back to my thoughts on American Sniper, which. You know, people really seemingly enjoyed it and it made tons of money, but I was I was so down on it because I was like, you know, half of this stuff didn't even fucking happen. You know, so I was I was kind of mad at the movie for taking so many liberties. So now I have to go back and read this Boots Riley thing because uh, I, I certainly don't want to be like, oh, well, you know, I thought that this movie was very good and, and it made me feel certain ways. And then all of a sudden it Boots Riley saying like, you know, by the way, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is inaccurate and, and perhaps even... Um, too boastful or too or too polished of of an image then it kind of makes me curious to try and get all the facts but um i'll go back and read that because I mean, you guys I'm not, I ha- I'm, not as, seen... I'm, not, I'm not as well versed in the you know enough to write an eight page document detailing all the things about black was it eight pages it's three pages <laughs> aaron over hyperbolic aaron here i used i used the I, big... I read it while i did an omelet this morning i used the big text so it became it became eight pages <laughs> you're going to the you're going to the large print section of the library <laughs> but i mean say in saying this i mean david you're still a big fan of the movie correct yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I, yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think we need to rely on you know the opinions no, of another sure. director yeah, in order I'm to properly to evaluate the film. Any, yeah, I'm definitely not trying to pick it, any nits here. It's just, it's just an interesting discussion. Oh, for sure, I, and, I agree. It makes me. It makes me think about it a bit differently, but also doesn't make me feel critical of it. Like it's like okay, this is Boots complaining about it, but I still really enjoy this film, and I think it has so much more to offer anyway. And even and you know what? I, I mean, I get the impression from like the things that Boots Harley says at the beginning that he did. He doesn't hate the movie either, and I no. think. Uh, this is uh, it's weird to talk about uh, Spike Lee's Black Klansman in terms of like internet fanboy type conversations, but it does <laughs> feel like you know we've gotten to a point where you uh, people talk about movies as either like a like a binary, like you love it or you hate right. it, and uh, we should be able to have ongoing analytical critical conversations even about great movies. Just because a movie is great doesn't mean that we can't have the conversation even if it takes us to places that are critical. Uh, I, so I I have no problem with agreeing with some of Boots Riley's uh, complaints and still putting Black Clanson in my top three movies of the year so far. Oh, for yeah. sure. And I'm certainly not disregarding it. That's why and I'm engaging this conversation. At the same time, also, there's, still, there's still movie to talk, talk about. I'm not about any of you guys. Oh, no, no, I, I hear you. Oh, I'm yeah, just, for sure. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying, yeah. I, I, don't I, think, I don't feel like you're attacking me at all. No, I'm just <laughs> saying we've talked, you know, for a good, like, 15 minutes about 
what Boots Riley thought about this movie as opposed to the movie. So I'm trying to keep moving towards yeah, talking about the movie. No, but just to bring it back onto the movie. So what's interesting about that, what we're all talking about, of, hey, you know, um, Spike Lee's not trying to just present one point of view kind of thing, is that his portrayal of the Colorado Springs KKK uh, chapter is is not that they're all bumbling idiots either. I mean, there's actually, you know, infighting, and there's also uh, seemingly, like, people who are more overzealous than others, because when you meet their their chapter head, uh, played by Ryan Eggold, Eggold? Yeah. 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 Uh, whose name is Walter in the movie, it's like, yeah, this guy actually seems like a pretty <laughs> okay he's, dude. He's the most like, reasonable he, person of yeah, the exactly. clan besides yeah, so David he, Duke, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> David Duke is, is we'll get to we'll get to Tupper Grace in a, in a few minutes here, but you know, when you see this chapter, again, they're not, it's not as though they're a bunch of hillbilly hicks kind of thing that they're, and they're chewing wheatgrass uh, uh, while right next to their truck kind of thing. It's actually just like, yeah, you know, we, we hang out at these bars that are specifically for us, but at the same time, like, you know, we, we have this, like, again, his portrayal is not overly, like, we should side with this thing, or it... It's it's not uh, it's not a, a portrayal in which uh, you would think that it'd be like yeah they on the phone they're a bunch of fucking idiots and quite honestly yes on the phone they are but um, in in reality it's like you know there's actually not people that are so extreme there are some. But even those people are trying to be held back by people who are like what Aaron said are more reasonable. I, I don't think you're putting it lightly, but I will say I mean being a part of the KKK does seem like an extreme to begin with. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no, like, for sure. I'm not yeah. trying to, I'm not no, I, I don't, I don't think you are either. I just want to put that out there just to make that very clear. <laughs> like the, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that, that Spike Lee has in this movie, uh, they, he's, he's not putting them in the best light. He's taking, no, he's taking, he's taking, there's more nuance like, than you might expect as far as right. the portrayal of the clan, right. which I do, I do think benefits the film as far as how Adam Driver and Dan, John David Washington interact with the people in the, yeah, I think what he's showing us is different different forms that white supremacy and that kind of racism can take. Because you've got uh, Walter, who's in the David Duke mo- mold, a little bit of being like, you know, let's wear shirts with collars and be presentable, you know, and, and be insidious that way. And you've got Felix, who's uh, just pure vitriol. Uh, and then you've got... Ivan, Ivanhoe. Uh, <laughs> His name is Ivanhoe. It makes me laugh idiot. so much. <laughs> Ivanhoe. Uh, oh. Yeah, and then you've also got the 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 cop um, who who gropes uh, Laura Harrier's Landers. character. I can't remember yeah. the actor. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it. His name is the cop's name is Landers. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Uh, Frederick Weller. Frederick Weller. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been in other stuff. He's, yeah, he's been in a lot of t- a lot of TV. I'm seeing some movies here and there. If he turns out to be Peter Weller's son, this is a very RoboCop. Movie. I was actually, I was very much trying to look that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's the cousin. He's a cousin of Peter Weller. The RoboCop uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by no. the way, I want to mention that uh, when they, I, I actually really like the camaraderie between the the two buddy cops. You know, it kind of, it, it moves really quickly because it's frigid and then it gets warmer, uh, and obviously uh, it ends up with them being buddies. Um, but I wanted to mention that Jimmy, I was like, that guy looks like Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and then I looked at the credits, like, Buscemi. oh, yeah. it's his brother. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, yeah. they, they really, I guess maybe Steve Buscemi was busy. They really wanted a guy that looked like him. I want to. And wanna... I was actually kind of disappointed that it wasn't. But then I was like, okay, cool. That family, family bloodlines. I, I want to talk about the undercover cop aspect of this film, actually, as far as 
the various tropes that we see within this movie that you know has so much more complexity to it because you do get like two guys that don't really like each other at first kind of sort of um you have uh right. you have the uh the tough talking like commanding officer the sergeant uh you, you have the the near misses and the identity swaps and things like that i've seen in lots of other undercover cop films and i really liked seeing spike lee handle genre this way and he's done it before uh you know david you mentioned this like with uh, inside man or even old boy or some of his other even um uh was it the, the sweet blood of jesus like there you know he's he's a, he's appropriated genres for the sake of whatever messaging he's trying to get across before and i i like how he does it here i, I mean this might be might be one of the best examples of him doing it here as far as how successful I feel the film is in relation to what genre it's co-opting to get across that messaging. Just, just crickets. <laughs> it was no, too I'm, deep. It was too I'm deep sorry, of a I was nodding. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say, yes, I agree with you. The only thing I, I felt like, um, this is actually not really... Okay, there's the thumbs up thing on the Skype we can do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say what trap, but that Peckerwood had a gun in my face. And he was an ass hair away from pulling the trigger and he didn't but he could have and then i would have been dead for what stopping some jerk offs from playing dress up flip it's intel well i'm not risking my life to prevent some rednecks from lighting a couple sticks on fire this is the job what's your problem that's my problem for you it's a crusade mm-hmm. for me it's a job it's not personal nor should it be why haven't you bought into this why should i because you're jewish brother the so-called chosen people You've been passing for a wasp. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant, cherry pie hot dog white boy. Hmm. That's what some light-skinned black folks do. They pass for white. Doesn't that hatred you've been hearing the Klan say, doesn't that piss you off? Of course it does. Then why are you acting like you ain't got skin in the game, brother? Rookie, that's my fucking business. It's our business. I'm going to get you your membership card. So you can go to the cross burning and get in okay. deeper with these guys. No, the the only thing I, I was going to mention is that I actually kind of wish that uh, Stallworth was actually getting more involved in it. Like, I don't know. I just as much as I love Adam Driver, I was much more um, impressed by John David Washington's performance and was like waiting for him to somehow walk in. And you kind of finally get that moment at the end when it all comes together, like when he's at the actual meeting and doing that. And fucking around with him like in that room See, but that, um and that's another where where like you have him assigned to be directly a part of this that's where i i wonder it's like how are we not how how is this film being accused of not handling the things going on within the colorado springs police department when you have something like this taking place where there's absolutely no reason except just to fuck with black people like that seems like the yeah. entire reason that that's yeah. happening yeah yeah, but yeah, still, their I guess captain still... seemingly was like on the fence on all of that stuff, and I was like, yeah, it, there, it feels like there's going to be internal strife here, which they don't really explore too heavily. I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe more material with that sure. that maybe just got edited out of the film or something, or what, or just yeah. ideas that ultimately led to nowhere as far as serving the film itself. But like, yeah, it's it's things like I mean, I feel like there's stuff there. <laughs> yeah, but it, Alex, I agree with you what you're saying about John David Washington. I do think he's very good here. I think this is a, a great performance from him as far as no, I know what he's I, going to get. it's. Finish your sentence. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I I think he's I think he's doing a great job with this role. He's he's, he's certainly yeah. having seen John David Washington and other he's what he's on Ballers, but he's been on other things where and I've seen him like in interviews. He has a he has a way of speech and the way he's playing Ron Stallworth, it, like playing himself in this film, is very much taking on a a persona to play this character. Uh, and making that consistent and having that kind of build into how he interacts on the phone versus how he interacts in in reality, 
or I guess a physical reality. I, I, I really did, you know, I, I saw that and really admired what was going on here. At the same time, I do like Adam Driver a lot, and I do think he's really great in this film. I think the, you know, in addition to how uh, racial tension between, you know, black and white is being explored, I think the the work being done to uh, portray, uh, portray Jews and the light that it does in this film is also quite nuanced in a way that I haven't seen before with Spike Lee, um, who's, mm. who's kind of... He's, he's done some things not necessarily in the negative towards Jews, but certainly portrayed Jewish people in a certain light uh, that's been less than positive, I think, in the past, uh, just based on how he's been moving through his films. And here it's like, no, he has a lot of care um, to make sure that Adam Driver's care, Flip Zimmerman, um, a person, a character who's said to, you know, not be a, you know, a practicing Jew, one that, you know, really celebrates his heritage. Um, it, it makes it, it gives him some layers to work with as far as how he's processing being a part of this investigation, which I, I, I think led to a, a great scene, like the kind of like, yeah, this is yeah. the clip they would play type scene. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a, a setup in a way for Spike Lee to remind us in a, in a very overt way that like, look, it's not just black people being affected. Like you have to realize all of us are oppressed in, in, a, in a way, except for straight white men. Thank you. But um, I'm me, me saying I'm the privilege of it. But no, I just mean that like it's like it's it's his way of saying, hey, hey, look, like and there's a literal line or two in the film where he says that he's like, look, this is you have to be you have to have skin in this game, too. Right. Like there's more going on here and you can't just brush it off. And, you know, it is it is like Black Lives Matter without saying Black Lives Matter. Because it's trying to say it's not just Black Lives Matter, but we want all of these lives to matter. We got to fight against this idiocy of the KKK any way we can. But I just, I guess my, my thought originally was that I love the whole concept when you haven't seen the film of a black man infiltrates the KKK. That by the time we're watching Stallworth in, in uh, Washington's performance, that I'm like, I want to see him actually as a black man show up at a KKK meeting somehow and pull that off. And obviously that's literally. That, that, was, in, that was in Bad Boys too. <laughs> it is the opening of that voice too. <laughs> yeah. But I, I know what you mean because I, I, I kind of agree with you that there's a lot of like intelligence stuff going on, right, Alex? There's like a, a intelligence gathering in the background that, that John David Washington is doing. But yeah, the, the scene in which he finally quote unquote does infl- like literally infiltrates the KKK is, is kind of just he was put there by his superiors and then the, the scene plays out kind of clunky. Like the, the entire sequence to me kind of felt like it was uh, unsure of how to do that and then also end the movie. Um, so I, I can I can understand what you're saying uh, on that front. Well, I, only, only, yeah. I was just, I, I think by the time we're actually seeing him directly involved with these things, I think it's handled about the way it would be handled. I, I don't think, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I don't think there's all that much to glean from seeing this black man directly interact with these people more than we get to see in this film. It, it leads to Ron Stallworth outsmarting these people via his wit or yeah. just shouting matches between people that hate each other. And so it's yeah. compared comparatively, there's lots you can mine from Adam driver being involved with these people because he can actually fit in in some way, which is why I think we put it so much, much you know, emphasis on seeing those interactions at the same time. John David Ron Stallworth, he still has plenty to do in this movie, which I think is what gives this movie, you know, kind of subtle grace points to work with as far as dealing with Patrice and dealing with the other officers and those Mm -hmm. conversations and how it lends more insight than just it it doesn't make it doesn't simplify it as far as cops bad, uh, black people good, white people bad. Like it doesn't it doesn't do that. It plays it into much more interesting ways that it involves John Ron Stallworth directly into. So I I I appreciate that as far compared to 
basically, the way, I want to basically, basically, basically making it just more of a straight genre movie. Yeah, I um, want to interject wanna, uh, very quickly that we should just start saying Ron Stallworth the way that they say Ron Stallworth in the movie. Ron Stallworth. Thank you. Okay. Ron Stallworth. Okay. David, <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, I feel like we're we're overlooking in this conversation about uh, him actually infiltrating. We're overlooking, I think, one of my favorite shots in the movie, which is the actual uh, induction of the new members of the KKK with Ron Stallworth spying from the right. window mm-hmm. above, which which uh, is not only a great shot, it's also a justification for his hairstyle. <laughs> um, <laughs> which we see his first shot is the first shot in the movie is him sort of like primping his his hair and yeah. uh all of that leads up to seeing the silhouette of that hair uh <laughs> up in the window it's one of my favorite shots which is also um, i think it's masterly juxtaposed with harry belafonte's whole sequence a, right uh, yeah by the way yeah. i want to see harry belafonte narrate more things like he's just really effective <laughs> yeah you should definitely narrate <laughs> yeah. documentaries i'd be down for that but yeah, yeah. i'm sorry david go I, ahead i also wanted to go back um to to the scene you guys were talking about the um the adam driver uh oscar clip <laughs> um, right scene because um not i know you guys wanted to get away from talking about boots riley but to go back to that idea and my and my interpretation of this is more of a dialogue remember earlier we see adam driver defend frederick weller's character i mean like say he's a bad cop but say like you know the the force comes first or whatever we're a family so i think the fact that he's becoming i guess in modern terms he's becoming woke by what's happening uh and i think that that could be used as a a, a counter argument to to boots riley's um complaints about the police department's depiction I, I just i think that's what it comes down to though as far as characters that need to represent a lot and right. maybe it's not entirely pulled off in the eyes of some people obviously that feels like the case but you know, the movie being asked for is a five-hour epic that has every single detail and nuance possible to make sure everybody's appeased. Right. That's and a documentary. Like, and that's, we're not going to get that. That's not what we're doing here. It's, right. it's, it's like I, I can't – I'm not counting out the fact that somebody has opinions on there. Many people would have you have opinions on how something's – even you guys as far as saying it might be clunky or whatnot and how certain depictions or certain scenes play out. But at the same time, for what the movie's doing well, I think it's doing really, really well. And as I said at the top of this – I kind of have to accept that all most Spike Lee movies are going to have a little bit of messiness in them. That's just sure, how sure. that seems to be how he operates. If that say, if that call if you have to call me out and say I'm grading on a curve, I guess that's one way to look at it. But at the same time, I've been watching Spike Lee movies since you know the '80s. Um, <laughs> but I think the first one I saw was Crooklyn. Actually, it was '94, and I wasn't old enough to be watching Spike Lee movies in the '80s and really understanding them. But <laughs> for that, with that being said, I, I'm, nice. fami- I'm familiar enough with the filmmaker to be like, yeah, that's just what Spike Lee does. In the same way, I expect the bullshit that like George Lucas does in movies, or Sir, Sir Soderbergh does in some of his movies, or Spielberg right. does in some of his movies. Like, yeah, they just do that thing. But I still like them. I still like what they're putting out there. Sure, fine. Yeah, let me ask you guys about uh, uh, Topher Grace. How, what did you guys think of Topher Grace and his portrayal of, of uh, David Duke? I'll just say real quick. I think it's a, a great casting and like kind of a a a dig at David Duke to cast someone who's so boyish Milk-tose. looking because it makes. <laughs> I him was look wondering like about that too. Yeah, because it makes him look like David Duke is just playing dress up. Like he's got a <laughs> like he's wearing his dead suit or whatever. You and know, like a fake I, mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought the, I, I I like the. I think Topher Grace is very good, but just the just on its on its face, the casting is is great and hilarious to me. It's the closest you get to stunt casting in a movie like this, it seems. <laughs> well, that that and another character, I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, 
Alex, what are you saying? No, no, I, I was kind of saying the same thing. Is that like uh, of all the KKK characters, he's the most like goofiest, obvious one for the <laughs> sake of like making fun of him, which is great. And it was only yeah. just like took me out of it. Where like the other KKK characters, you're like, okay, these guys are legit, as we already talked about, uh, you know, a couple of minutes ago. But like him, it was like okay, and you know, and it's also because we're also familiar with Topher Grace that I, I wasn't able to like blend him into the role as much as I was knowing he was there for comedic reasons which is fine because we need to make fun of david duke as much as we possibly can mm-hmm. yeah now with, i mean with that, even with... his like his voice or his, his phone voice just made me laugh too he's like this is david duke yeah no yeah it's a grand wizard you're, dar- you're like, darn tooting yeah exactly <laughs> i was like you know i i i, I don't know like he temple grace does kind of look like a younger david duke but Again, I agree with both of you guys. Comparisons that, uh, he's been wanting all this life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I agree with you guys. That's like in, in terms of just the way that he looks. He looks boyish and childish, and uh, uh, it just looks like yeah, he, he's he's wearing his dad's old suit, this kind of thing. So I, I found that kind of the juxtaposition of it is just yeah, I could see it, but at the same time, I see the dig. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, was okay. What um. Perception. He is actually older than some of the cast members that are playing KKK members. Um, mm. He's forty. Um, what wow. I was going to say about yeah, I know. What I was going to say about Topher Grace. I, I think yeah, in person, sure. There's a you know, there's a night, there's a naivety to him that stands out just because of our association with Topher Grace in general, uh, which is not a dig on Topher Grace. I think we mentioned that as well. It's just more of you know, he just look a certain way. Leonardo DiCaprio looked boyish for most of his life until now, um, but. What I found, and I mentioned this, but what I mentioned, like, kind of the, the horror aspect of this film that I think is present, that comes through in, like, the radio broadcasts that I that we hear. And hearing, or the phone conversations we hear with uh, Ron Stallworth, where he, as David Duke, talks about, you know, the the things he believes, what he sees in America, what he sees as the wrong, what, you know, what's going against white, white America, um, and how normalized it all feels, how... It's not as if some. It's not. He's not ranting and raving as far. He's not shouting. He's right. He's you know. He's he's presenting something very matter of fact and in a way that you know feels like yeah. This is just normal ways people talk, and that's frightening. Honestly, it's it's frightening to hear Topher Grace saying these lines of dialogue and have you know having a having it as a rep an easygoing repartee as opposed to this kind of manifesto that he's delivering in enraged fashion compared to the other character i wanted to mention alec baldwin the other stunt casting um who appears yeah. at the beginning of this movie i'm curious what you guys thought of the beginning which you know goes from a sequence of gone with the wind where we're romanticizing the south and how great the Confederate army was to alec baldwin's outtakes as dr kennebrew beauregard <laughs> any, any thoughts on on, on on this opening sequence uh it's, it's very uh caustically funny <laughs> yeah the fact that he's i mean he's saying truly chillingly awful things mm-hmm. uh but he has like this like tourette's type of uh it it's I, I guess it's like the topher grace casting it's intentionally uh undercutting and making things that are real uh something mockable it makes me curious if like spike lee like fought like really hard to find actual footage of somebody like this and to find the outtakes to present them and he couldn't so he's just like i'll just get alec baldwin to do this <laughs> <laughs> again alec baldwin great voice great narrator voice big fan of uh big fan of uh Royal this opening. is a this is a very random thing but there's a alec baldwin when he hosted saturday night live last year not when he's just like popped on his his terrible donald trump impression but like when he's hosted 
there was like a skit he did where he act he like he flubbed a line and then his recovery is just to say damn it i meant this and that's what it feels <laughs> like all the more that, funny yeah it does because he like he messed up and then he like he, he, he adjusts and that's what this entire sequence feels like because it's literally just outtakes <laughs> of him doing this thing and he has he has a line where he's like damn it watch this and then he like says the same line again but more intense and so it's, <laughs> that's like what it feels like and so yeah. yes it's not yeah caustically funny is the, the perfect way to put it david like it's horrible things that's mm-hmm. going on here but it's certainly like this is a guy like messing up his lines and really trying to go <laughs> for something as it's playing and i love the use of color in that scene too like the way yeah. it's portrayed like showing the 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 real footage over him and it, like it goes from like black and white to blue to, to red. red like it, it's yeah. really striking like, it was just it really affecting yeah. any other thoughts on black clans before we move on i think we covered a lot i, <laughs> I have one very minor thought yeah Isaiah Whitlock Jr. shows up mm-hmm. to do his classic Sheet. reading of the word shit. Do you think, because that has become so associated with his character on The Wire, do you think Spike Lee did this as a reminder that he first did it in the 25th hour and that Spike <laughs> Lee is, is somewhat responsible, responsible. For, for that? I feel like that's this is Spike Lee reclaiming. He's like, hey, I gave the world... Isaiah Whitlock Jr. going, shit. <laughs> like, this is it's not David be, Simon. That would be a nice little uh, cultural jab as well, because, you know, he's he, he has done it in almost everything else he's done in his career. Yeah, but it's, like, he did it first in 25th Hour. That's yeah. the, the whole story is that he was, uh, he told he told Spike Lee, like, oh, my uncle used to say this. And Spike <laughs> Lee was like, you have to do that then. And that's where it started. Mm. The only thing I want to bring up is that he's done it in other Spike Lee movies. Uh, so I, I do, I do think, okay. yeah, I do think. Right. I'm, I'm sure Lee has like, you know, a um, a claim to it, and he's happy to use it. Um, <laughs> at the same time, yes, I, obviously the, I mean, it's not like The Wire as much as the internet likes to praise it. It's not like it's the most watched show of all time. So it's, it's hard for me to say <laughs> that everyone yeah. like thinks of his character thinks, oh, that's that guy from that super popular show, The Wire, that said that thing that one time. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the best show ever made on television. But but I mean, he's like, he did it in Chirac. Like he's done it plenty of times. Right. So it's, right. He, right. he does it in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> he, he does do it in Cedar Rapids. I never saw that. Cedar Rapids is good. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah, it, it actually is pretty good. It's actually a very, uh, it's, a good it, char- it's, it's a better it's, character it's up comedy. The air, light. It's a better, but still it's a, very good. It's a better character comedy than like a like this is super funny because of this. Like it's more like oh look at all these good actors doing good job. Yeah, and it actually is kind of depressing just the realities. It actually made me think. Wow, Anne Hayes is a really good actress. You brought up the um, she line from uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Uh, as far as Spike Lee traits go. Um, did, I mentioned the, the the his shot earlier. Did you like its use in this film? The kind of gliding shot that he uses. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was waiting the whole movie for it to show up. I was too, actually. I was kind of like, oh, it hasn't happened yet. Where are we going to get that? <laughs> yeah. I like it because it, it sets them up as, like, badass superhero characters. It like, does, um, the way it's used, yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah. it reminded me of, uh, what was that uh, um, Colt's, uh, uh, like, black superhero movie from, like, five or six years ago? Black Dynamite? Uh, yes! <laughs> Dynamite! Dynamite! Yeah, it, reminded, it reminded me of that. Like, he was in the hallway fighting people, and then uh, uh, they have this shot, and I'm like, oh, God, Black Dynamite has revived and found his way to a Spike Lee. Like, it was cool, but it was also a little bit sad to me because it just ends on that, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to go see them fight. But that's the typical thing now in films is to, like, end with them. They're finally the superheroes. Cut to black. That is a, that's a neat way to look at it, actually. Yeah. Um, and, I, th- I feel like that's what it was. He's like, look how badass they are. They just no, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I do think there's a 
the the way they're visually presented as kind of teaming up in that moment i didn't think it's, it's quite affecting uh, and showing yeah. this is this is who they are at the same time yeah. it you know leads to a horror you know a, 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 a horrible grace note <laughs> to kind of leave the sure. yeah. note on not well, as, not, not as far thoughts. as yeah yeah go on sorry yeah i was gonna say my last two thoughts on black clownsman are that uh their sergeant guy could just I could never take him that seriously because he looked like he was also kind of just putting on a fake mustache. But then uh, he does this, like a spit take thing when they're on the phone and that just made me laugh out loud like super hard. I could watch Not because of the spit take. The spit take added to what was being said over the phone. No, I, I could watch outtakes of um yeah. of, of Ron Starworth talking on the phone while others are listening to him like for a while because I think that stuff are, are you sure? I, it, that stuff works for me as far as them just making fun of this person. Um yeah. And yeah, that it, it is like a big fake mustache because he doesn't. I'm looking at his picture now. I was like, yeah, that's not what he looks like. At all. <laughs> he has a whole '70s look going. Um, all right, I, I think we've talked pretty sufficiently about Black Klansman. So I will say now, when should people go and see this movie? Let's start with David. David, when should people see this movie? Uh, as soon as possible. Alex? Yeah, in theaters. Abe? Yeah, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think you have to rush out and see it right away, but it's certainly a theater movie. I uh, I think you should have seen it already. That's where I'm at. This movie, yeah, yeah. I think, is terrific. Uh, in a summer that's given us a lot of uh, powerful films. Um, all right, let's. Uh, and it continues into next week. It, it does get powerful. That's, that's that's exactly the word I had. Okay. Uh, well, that was uh, our review of Black Klansman. Um, I think we. I had a lot of fun talking about this movie with you guys, but uh, yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good to know uh, new facts about it too. For sure. But uh, let's move on now. Abe, what uh, what time is it? Aaron, I think it's time for a quick game here. Letter known fact, that's actually the ringtone of uh, Ron Starworth's phone, but they had to change it because it was not historically accurate. Yeah, that's, that was the reason. <laughs> that's what happened there. Yeah. Hey, have you got a game for no us No cell week? phones yet. Yeah, I've got a couple just very quick games here. Uh, we're going to play the main game is on a scale of, but I have just a general Spike Lee question for you guys here just to set the tone. Uh, if you know the answer to this general Spike Lee question, please feel free to buzz in with your name and tell me the answer. The question is, Spike Lee has been nominated for two Academy Awards. Which, uh, which categories were they? And if you know the movies, uh, which movies were they? Aaron. Aaron? I believe it's original screenplay for Do the Right Thing, and I, I'm assuming best documentary for Four Little Girls. That is correct, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. Named it. No uh, no best director Oscars uh, for Spike Lee. No best it? director Oscars, but he, he won the honorary Oscar in uh Yeah, he won the honorary Oscar too, yeah. Yeah, but those are the two films that he was that Spike Lee has been nominated for. Obviously, his films they individually have been nominated for for other things. But uh, let's do this uh, on a scale of. So I will name some movies here from Spike Lee, directed by Spike Lee, and if you can tell me the Metacritic rating, uh, <laughs> let me know. It's it's yeah, I, I'm always try, I'm always trying to find different rating systems for us to use. So Aaron's too good with IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. But he gets uh, tripped up by Metacritic from time to time. So I'll just name a movie and I'll go line by line. Uh, or I'm sorry, I'll go down the line. And if you give me what you think that it made or has on Metacritic, that'd be great. So Aaron, what do you think he got game got? Um, 68. Okay. Uh, David? I'm going to go with 52. And Alex? Uh, I don't know if I should go high or low. 70. Hey, hey, before you give us the answer, I just want to let you know that I've got game, you've got game, he got game, she got game, <laughs> we got game. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, my uh, clock guy. 
Yeah, play Cl- with play. Clock guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love clock guy from uh, from Batman. <laughs> clock guy. <laughs> well, the real answer is sixty three. So Aaron, you are the closest there. Oh, you get right. that point. All right. Uh, Alex Crooklyn. Where do you think Crooklyn is? Crooklyn. Um, forty three. Forty three. Uh, David. Eighty one. Eighty one. And Aaron. You know, we talk about coming-of-age movies a lot, and I think Crooklyn is a uh, one that doesn't get mentioned nearly enough. It's, it's, it's quite good. Um, I'll 70. 70? Aaron, you are the closest getting it. It's 65. All right. Let's go here. Old boy. David, what do you think old boy is at? Uh, 33. 33. And Alex? I was going to say 15. Do you want to stay? <laughs> Brutal. 15? Yes, I do. 15. Okay, and Aaron? 20. 20. Damn Dave, you. It is 49. You get that one. Wow, it's what? that high. How is this bad? How is that possible? Critic, uh, I don't know. Whatever your, well, our colleagues are saying, <laughs> they must have praised it. Well, it could, well, it's not necessarily praise. It could just be there's a lot of, like, 4 out of 10s or 5 out of 10s. Yeah. And so, like, it becomes... There you yeah, go. Right. Yeah. Uh, Red Hook Summer. Happen. Aaron? Red Hook Summer? Uh... 57. 57. Uh, David. 50. 50. And Alex. 42. 42. Ah, oh, I thought you were going to say something else there, because, David, you win that one. It was 48. All right. Mm. I, I remember that one being pretty lowly regarded. Red Hook Summer? Yeah. Didn't it premiere, like, at Sundance or something like that? It premiered like at that? Sundance, and I believe it got, like, a reaction. Like, uh, David, were you there? Did you see uh, that? Yeah. I was not there. Okay. Mm. I believe it got, I just like, remember uh, it like being there, talked about. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember it like it takes a turn and people were not happy with it. And I remember that was yeah, like exactly. the main thing. People were like, ugh. <laughs> that was kind of the reaction yeah, overall. Yeah. But it has Mookie. He's back. He's still working at the pizza shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, I guess. No, it isn't. Uh, next one, <laughs> he's an old, he's an old <laughs> man. He's working at pizza <laughs> He's a pizza boy. He's still employed. <laughs> uh, next one here. Uh, Chirac, Alex? Mm, 82. Uh, David. Uh, 69, dudes. 69, dudes. And uh, Aaron. I'll middle it out and say 75. 75. Aaron, you're the closest. It was 77. All right. Yeah, man, Aaron is killing it this time. Uh, it's yeah. pretty close between uh, Aaron and David. Or Aaron and, uh, yeah, David. Um, it's certainly not Alex. That's, I think, what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, ever come close to winning anything. But anyway, let's continue. She's got to have it. David? She's going to have it. Uh, 92. 92. And uh, Alex? 84. 84. And Aaron? Hmm. I'll say 79. Oof. It is exactly 79. <laughs> 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 uh, here we go. Here we go. Clockers. Uh, Alex? Clockers? Um... Let's go with 60. 60. David? 80? 80. And Aaron? Clockers. Seven, 75. Man, Aaron, you're just always going in the middle here. It is 71, so you get that one as well. Um, here we go. She Hate Me, Aaron. Anthony Mackie. Yes, yeah, um, Black Falcon. Black, yeah. John Turturro. Um... 37. 37. Uh, David? Uh, three. Three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, 48? 48. Aaron, you're the closest. It is 28. Well, it wasn't liked. I got back. It was not liked. Yeah. <laughs> was right Summer of Sam. David? Um, 77. Ooh, okay. Uh, Dave, or uh, Alex? Um, 60. 60. And Aaron? I'll once again point out that I really like Summer of Sam. Uh, underrated. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's quite good. Adrian Brody's very thin. 55. 55. Alex, you are on the board. It is 67. What? All right. <laughs> the... uh, next one here. Uh, two more. Uh, 25th hour. Uh, Aaron? 80, 86. 86. Uh, David? 89. 89. And Alex? Um, 94. 94. You guys progressively got higher, but it was 67. So, Aaron, you <laughs> oh, get wow. that one. <laughs> That's, that's I, yeah, another... I forget people didn't like that when it came out as much as they do now. That monologue by uh, by uh, by what's his face Max or whatever the case is is really good in the bathroom. I forget it. Edward Norton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last one here. Do the right thing. Uh, David Bax. Uh, uh, there's probably some dickhead out there, so I'm gonna say 99. <laughs> 99. <laughs> uh, Alex Billington. Yeah, 90. 90. And Aaron. I'll say 94. Right 94. Alex, you get that one. It was 91. Hmm. With all that being said, though, it was still a runaway by Aaron with a two-person two tie for second place between Alex and David. And because we need to have definitives, between Alex and David only. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Uh, 47. 47. And Alex? Man, I was going to say 48, so I'm going to go with 62. 62. You should have probably said 48 because uh, it was 52. Ah! Son of a gun. With that being said, though, uh, David, you are second place this week, and Alex, you are unfortunately third. So, so I'm always there. Don't worry. Hey, you made it on the board, so that means you do get to come back. This is oh, true. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, we, we've gotten rid of so many guests from not answering any questions. Because right they haven't won game. Yeah, it's a, it's a list longer than our movies that don't exist anymore. Yeah, take that, Jermaine Lucier. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the first name that came to mind. Um, right. Relevant. Let's, uh, let's, that was games. Thank you, Abe. That was, uh, You're welcome. That was fun. Let's move on. Now let's get to some out now feedback. Be back, be back, be back. This is where we go over some various questions and answers that came on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We asked you listeners a number of questions, and you gave us answers. Then you, the listener, gave us some questions that we will be happy to answer. Uh, Alex, David, feel free to uh, jump in on any of these questions that we uh, present out here. But uh, let's get to it. First question. Favorite films about undercover cops? Justin writes The Departed. And would Bad Boys count? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Maxwell, had, friend of the show, Maxwell had it as, alongside the obvious answers, Departed, Reservoir Dogs, 21 Jump Street, Easter Promises, etc. How about Miss Congeniality? Yeah. yeah. Chris has uh, Chris has Point Break and Face Off. Catherine has Donnie Brasco. Scott has, obviously, Undercover Brother. Greg has Donnie Brasco. Steven has Serpico. Jay, friend of the show, has Kindergarten Cop. Philip has Memories of a Murder. And David has Cruising. These are all really good Undercover Cop movies. I'll throw in Infernal Affairs. Yes. Obviously. Uh, and then what's the um, I think it's called Rush with Jason Patrick and Jennifer Jason Lee. That's why it came yes, up. Yes, that's the, yeah, that is why it came up. That's why yeah. it came up. So when I I was 
I was looking up undercover cop movies. I googled it, and on the when it came, like Google has like a series of like movie posters that came up. Rush came up, but the Rush of Chris Hemsworth, and I was like, "What did Rush come up?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was just like smack. And I sent that to A. It was like, "What? What happened here?" And it's like that's why because the Jason Patrick movie <laughs> was um was that Stallone movie? Uh, is he an undercover uh cop in the um? Uh, Formula One Racing World. What is that movie called? Driven? 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 Yeah. I, I saw was the theater. Was he a big upper cop? I, I can't remember. I thought he was just premise? like a rich guy. Who I, think like still, I think he's just an old like an old driver versus like uh, a, a, young, oh, okay. a young upstart. Oh, okay. I'm getting the... Because uh, there's the... Five. Yeah, all right. I'm getting the storylines confused. Yeah, but but <laughs> over the top where he's playing a, a deadbeat dad slash arm, arm wrestler champion, he's definitely an undercover cop in that movie. Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, next question. What is your favorite Spike Lee joint? Corinne has Malcolm X, Do the Right Thing, and Black Klansman. It's close. Jay has Inside Man, but I haven't seen many. And Justin has Do the Right Thing. You guys have any? Uh, we've covered this probably extensively in, in our chats. Do the Right Thing is my absolute favorite Spike Lee movie. I can watch that almost anytime. But I, yeah, it's Do the, do the Right Thing. I mean, I, I really love Malcolm X, though. I am a big fan of 25th Hour. Um,. I've pointed out Summer of Sam quite a bit, but I do like that. He Got Game. I think, Abe, you're a big He Got Game fan. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of He Got Game, despite having some, again, clunkiness to it. Uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I do the right thing, obviously, but I do like He Got Game. And what is the school school called? Like, Big State? Yeah, he, uh, yeah. He, he's going to go to Big State, Univer- big big State, State University. Yeah, I, I like that. 20th uh, yeah. Hour has my favorite Terrence Blanchard score of any. Oh, that's a great score. Movie. Yeah. Terrence Blanchard, I, we did talk about it in. Um, uh, Black Klansman at all, but I I really like what he's doing there. I, I think there's such a when Terrence Blanchard does a Spike Lee movie, which is most of the time, um, there is there does seem to be it kind of stands out from other movies that I see in the That's year. That's true, and, yeah, because it very much has an impact. I think. Yeah, the 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 cop scene and cop uh, police station music very uh, definitive mm-hmm. in Black Klansman. Yeah, and he and he even uses like those sort of wailing guitar solos that are so common in like cop movies, like, especially yeah, like, yeah. undercover cop movies. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Alex, did you have a favorite Spike Lee joint? Uh, I'll just say Inside Man, but that's not barely a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I haven't, I haven't seen enough of the rest to 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 comment properly. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, next next question we have: Your favorite films dealing with political uprise in some way. Christopher has Dune, V for Vendetta, seventeen seventy six, Selma, and Equilibrium. That is a wide gathering of movies. <laughs> it's very yeah. entertaining. Yeah, it's good. Now. It's good. Uh, Alan has Revenge of the Sith, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and Braveheart. Once again, all over the place. Oh, here, there's more. White House Down, Air Force One, and Spartacus. <laughs> okay. All over the place, but I uh, like it. Justin has Return of the Jedi, and Philip has Gladiator. There you go. Films that deal with political eyes. Uh, uh, Battle of Algiers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Grand Budapest Hotel, I think, has more political enterprise than the other. That's true. And Although, also... Fantastic Mr. Fox does directly deal with this. <laughs> yeah, what? it's because they're, they're trying to fight those three farmer guys. I wasn't joking. <laughs> no, no, I you were joking. I, just, I, was, I, was, oh, I, I thought, yeah, I thought about it longer than two seconds to have a snappy answer back at you. So that, that's, that's what happened there. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, let's move on. Uh, favorite buddy cop movie. Jay has more of a buddy detective movie, but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Alan has The Untouchables, The Other Guys, Hot Fuzz, Lethal Weapon, End of Watch. Renee, Beverly Hills Cop. Justin has Bad Boys, Philip has Hot Fuzz, and lastly, Christopher writes Tango and Cash. 
See, when, when I think right. buddy cop movie, I'm trying to think if should I lean, do you automatically, what, okay, here's a question. Do you, when you say buddy cop movie, do you lean comedic or do you just, do you lean to just cops partner together? I think the latter. Just cops partner together. There's way yeah. more comedic. Do, do they both have to be cops? Well, see, that's my question too. Would 48 hours count? See, I th- no, yes, I do think it counts. I, th- I think the the lo- the internal logic of what a buddy cop movie consists of, I do think it, I, I don't think it necessarily needs both of them need to be police officers. Mm. Okay. Now you're opening up a can of worms here. But I also, I still, yes, I think my mind leans towards comedic when I think of that. But then I'm like, well, like seven, like they are cops and right. they become buddies. They've got some <laughs> moments of levity. They're like end of well, watch is not a comedy, but there are funny parts in it. Right, right. But Let's say like, Super Troopers then. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Uh, all right, next question we have. Who's the dumbest movie villain? Um, Richard has Donald Trump in Home Alone 2. You know he gave Kevin bad directions on purpose. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. uh, Justin has Lou Diamond Phillips in The Big Hit. That's a fun answer because I'm a big fan of The fin- Big Hits, and so I'm all, yeah, I'm all about that. Philip has the Australian government in The Castle. Mm. Uh, Alan has a- a- Alien from Spring Breakers, James Franco's character, and Jabba the Hutt. Job was pretty smart. He got himself a whole barge, whatever. Uh, yeah, but he got, he got strangled <laughs> by by his own, uh, you know, shackles. I mean, that was a situation that went haywire. Anybody could have happened. But regardless, uh, Tyler as Harry and Marv from Home Alone. Uh, that's, yeah, but I like I like the Home Alone guys because they were like purposefully dumb in a in a way that actually worked, not like poor writing dumb. I mean, it's how you interpret the question. I never thought we're about just, that. We're just asking yeah, right. what's one of the dumbest movie villains. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the most well-written and scarily dumb movie villains would be, um, what's his name, uh, from Out of Sight, Don Cheadle's character. Snoopy, oh, I think? Sno- yeah, Snoop. Because yeah. he's not very smart, and that's kind of what makes him so dangerous. Mm. That's a great yeah. answer. I, I really like that yeah. answer, yeah. Also, White Boy Bob is pretty dumb. White Boy Bob. He <laughs> shoots, shoots himself in the head. <laughs> oh, man. That's sad. <laughs> uh, next, uh, last question. What films... Uh, that played on real-life events have a profound effect on you. Christopher has Gandhi, 12 Years a Slave, Hidden Figures, and Amistad. But Sink didn't meet John Quincy Adams in real life. Okay. Uh, Chris has Schindler's List, and Philip has Cinderella Man. Do you guys have any real-life, quote-unquote, based on true story slash real-life movies that, that profoundly affected you? Oh, I'm sure. I can't think of any uh, off the top of my yeah. head, though. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, the one the ones that got mentioned were good references anyway. I'm like, yeah, that's actually um, Munich comes to mind. Yeah. All right. Next question we or actually now we get to our uh, our question that we had uh, given to us. This is from Alan Aguilera, friend of the show. He asks, he asks, what's your favorite Spike Lee films, which we already covered, but he also asks favorite wig in a movie. Uh, Anton Chigurh. That's his actual hair. It's not a wig. Uh, that wasn't a wig. I, yeah, thought, he, I thought I thought he was like, I want that wig. He actually styled his hair that way. <laughs> like, to, to oh wow. Okay, well I gotta retract my answer then. Um, I, for some reason, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor comes to mind in the Superman movie. Oh <laughs> uh, man. I'm sure there's like some wild period piece. Amos uh, not. Um, Amadeus. There we go. Amadeus. He has some wild hair in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Price in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought of one for the real life story though. Yeah. Um, uh, is it called? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Madawan or Madawan? The John Sayles movie about the 1920 uh, labor strike with mm. Chris, with Chris Cooper. That's a great great movie. Madawan probably sounds like it. I mean, yeah. 
that's one of those lines like i probably i know what i'm referencing i don't need to say it all the time so i don't have to worry <laughs> about it <laughs> what was i going to say uh, was it the wig thing oh, no no it was i thought of a dumb movie villain actually it's, it's tangential to out of sight um ordell roby and uh, robert de niro's character and jackie and jackie brown um, oh yeah. I mean, they're all Elmore Leonard villains, and Elmore, yeah. Elmore Leonard characters are the villains, or at least the antagonists tend to be not necessarily dumb, but certainly <laughs> they're operating off of limited intelligence. I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it for most sure. of them, for the most part. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, that was feedback. That was feedback. Um, all right. Let's start wrapping things up here. Let's move on to out now. Presents what's out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and there's uh, quite a few things here. First up, Deadpool two, the super duper cut. Sure, see it. It's like a, it's like 15 minutes longer. This version of Deadpool that's coming out. But yeah, it's the sequel came out. We 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 talked about this, right, Abe? Extensively. Yeah. <laughs> we liked it well enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to give a yeah or nay on any of these that I mentioned. Uh, next up is uh, First Reformed, which I'm a huge fan of. I've heard good things. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, show dogs. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Bleeding Steel. This is a Jackie Chan movie that came out in yeah, China. Yeah, I heard about Never saw it. <laughs> okay. I'm sure it was super successful in China because most of them are. Uh, but no, I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it'll pop up on Netflix. I'm like, oh, that's that Jackie Chan movie. I guess I'll watch it now. Um, Action Point. This is the Johnny Knoxville movie that came and went. Pass. Not screened for critics. Not screened. <laughs> and there were no Thursday late night showings either, so it made it super difficult to even attempt to try to see this movie if you want to write anything about it. Some did, and they did not have good things to say. I'm aware of that. <laughs> um, Ash versus Evil Dead season three, the final season, by the way. Final season? Yeah, yeah, go was, see it. It was canceled. I was a big fan of the first two seasons. I'm a big Evil Dead fan. I look forward to eventually watching season three. Uh, Gotham season four, out Ash. this week. Uh, that show's gotten better and better over the years. It's certainly different <laughs> than your standard superhero Good show. Year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it's great, but I would. I just is is in the realm of things. It's about as good as this kind of show seems to it can be. Uh, anyway, Walking Dead season eight. Yeah, pass. Still going. <laughs> the zombies aren't stopping. Um, Strike Back season five. I don't know who that is. I believe it's on Cinemax, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blind Spot Season 3. I thought you were going to say Blind Spotting, but I don't know what that is. I know. I realized that as I was writing it, Abe's probably going to jump on this before <laughs> before I finish. <laughs> um, the Terror Season 1. Um, this, was on AM, this was on AMC, and I watched the first episode, first two episodes, and I was really enjoying it. I just never, haven't got around to watching the rest of it yet, but I, okay. I want to finish it. It has, what's it, Jared Harris and Kieran Hans in it, um, so, you know, it's got, among others. Uh, Deep Rising 20th Anniversary Edition. Yes. I think we did a commentary. Yes, that. we did a commentary track for this movie. So the, the natural thought is buy Deep Rising 20th Anniversary Edition, which is loaded with special features, and then listen to our commentary during the movie, because why not? So you get the ultimate experience right there. That's what I say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On a Shout Factor this week, Wild at Heart, the uh, David Lynch film with Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. Yeah. And uh, The Tingler, the William Castle film with uh, Vincent Price. Uh, that sounds uh, interesting already, so okay, maybe. And uh, let's see. I guess because the Jack Ryan TV show is coming soon, a uh, new 4K release of all five films, all of them, is uh, is hitting is hitting uh, 4K wow. this week. So if you, if you really want to watch three good movies and, you know, there's others that you can also watch, that you can get that. You, you, you <laughs> can go for that. 
I think people think I'm assuming Some of All Fears is one of the bad ones, and I'm not. I think Patriot Games isn't very good, but Some of All Fears is pretty solid. But that's oh, I thought you were going to say uh, Jack Ryan and Shadow Recruit. Yeah, I don't, I don't talk about that movie. So I, <laughs> okay. I, I would put it on a poll just to erase her from existence. But, uh, <laughs> lastly, on Criterion, Heaven Can Wait. That's on Criterion Collection this week. Not sure. the not the Warren Beatty film, but the 1943 uh, film, which is it's which is oh. not the original. <laughs> I think people confuse that, which is weird. Mm. Not weird. Okay. It's weird that Warren Beatty made a film called Heaven Can Wait, which is not a remake of the film Heaven Can Wait. But you know, there you go. The storyline, but the history of those titles is crazy. Yeah, because there's like um, multiple versions of both movies that are like at yeah, the use of those the, that title. Yeah, and then but like. Like, because uh, it's Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Yeah, that's the remake. That's the War, War Beatty remade Here Comes Mr. Jordan as Heaven. It's weird, yeah. I know. <laughs> right, but then, like, there was a sequel to Here Comes Mr. Jordan that I think was called Down to Earth, which is what the Chris Rock the Chris one is Rock called. Movie, it's which, like, but it's based yeah. off the original one, so it's, it's, it's really... It's all over uh, the place. Um, yeah, I saw uh, Heaven Can Wait, the Warren Beatty one at TCM Fest this year, and Ben Mankiewicz was interviewing uh, Buck Henry beforehand, and he was talking about the different versions, and he was like, and then Chris Rockway made one, which was okay, and Buck Henry goes, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Buck Henry getting really snappy about Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> that, makes, that makes me laugh. <laughs> All right, that was what's out now. Let's move on to extremely cool news things that are now streaming on Netflix that we can make mention to. Uh, the aforementioned to all the boys I've loved before, right? Is that, is that what we settled on is the title, Alex? Is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's on Netflix. That's streaming right now. Also, Disenchantment. Uh, this is the new Matt Groening series, um, which features basically all the talent from Futurama. And now they're in a kind of medieval um, spoof type series. I've watched the first two episodes. I, um, I'm i enjoying where it's going. I, I do. I was a big fan of Futurama and that town, include not just Graining, but like David X. Cohen and a number of those guys that are all writing on that show. I I liked what they did on Futurama, so I certainly want to see where this goes. And mm, so far, okay. I'm enjoying it. And it's got music by Mark Mothersbaugh, which I'm really enjoying also. I just I, I like the music of the show. Not all that essential, but I just like pointing that out because I think I like the theme. Um, on Prime this week, we have uh, Gringo. Hmm. I think David, you're a fan of Gringo, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I mean, on on Metacritic, I'd give it a <laughs> 84. <laughs> I think it, I just think it's better than people. I think people dismissed it. It's a uh, it's kind of a 90s throwback. It feels like it could be like a Guy Ritchie ripoff. So uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm, that and uh, Steven Soderbergh's Unsane is now on Prime as yeah. well. I liked Unsane quite a bit. Was, yes, it, it's the kind of film where it. I'm very much frustrated by what's taking place, and yet I need to see where this goes. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of, which for some reason is one of my favorite types of genre. I'm so upset by how things have played out, yet I can't stop watching this. Um, as far as thrillers go, there's a lot of other movies that that does not work for me whatsoever. <laughs> but, um, anyway, that's extremely cool. Let's go on to next week. Next week's show, we're talking Crazy Rich Asians and Searching. You know, can't wait. Double up coming. Um, I already have some guests. Although, to be fair, I think we could really just do one of them and and take up a whole episode. Probably, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to fit it all in. Okay, okay. But yeah, that's what's coming next week. Last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Alex, what should people see in theaters right now? Well, two films, I would say. Um, Even though I don't know if one of them is in theaters, but I will recommend it anyway. Minding the Gap, uh, the documentary about skateboarding. It's awesome. I saw it at Sundance. It's really, it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. and also another Sundance film that just opened this weekend is called uh, We the Animals, which is this uh, kind of like... Also so good. Yeah, like this kind of low, low-budgety, low very um, 
Beasts of the Southern Wild-esque thing that follows these three kids as they kind of run around and learn about life. Yeah, that trailer made me sad, so I definitely want to see the movie. Both of these movies are like some of the best from Sundance, and I'm so happy they're actually in theaters, except for Mining the Gap, but I'm so happy they're out now for the public to see them. So now that they're here, I highly recommend both of them. Okay. What do you see next? I would love to see Crazy Rich Asians, but it's not open here yet, so I don't know. I think I'm going to plan for some pre-Venice films. I don't know what to watch. All right. I'm I'm figuring it out, okay? Thank you. (laughs) Uh, David, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, well, the one great, great Sundance movie that Alex didn't mention, my personal favorite from this year's Sundance was Madeline's Madeline. That's in limited release uh, right now, so I would definitely recommend going to see Madeline's Madeline. Uh, and as far as what I'm seeing tomorrow, I'm seeing a movie I missed at Sundance, Rupert Everett's directorial debut, The Happy Prince, uh, mm-hmm. in which I think he plays Oscar Wilde. Oh, yes. the happiest okay. princes. Have fun. <laughs> What's that? Have fun with this one. Oh, you, <laughs> watch, you saw watch it? Watch out. Yeah. That's a, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it, uh, definitely recommend uh, either Black Klansman or Crazy Rich Asians, uh, or even if you haven't seen it yet, Mission Impossible Fallout. And next is uh, uh, Searching. Yeah. Do you uh, want to uh, see something... Uh, Big and wide, Mission Impossible's out there. If you want to see something that's pretty wide, Black Klansman's out there. And if you want to see something that's semi-wide, Eighth Grade is out there. So those are that's true. A lot of yeah, good still champion that. Uh, what am I seeing next? Next, I'm, oh, I'm seeing uh, Operation Finale tomorrow. That's what I'm seeing. The Oscar Isaac Ben Kingsley okay. Nazi hunter drama thing. Um, so there you go. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All the things that I write end up there eventually. You can find me writing about Preacher also at weeklyofentertainment.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Uh, find me on Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash wallersmoose. Hashtag, uh, with the right white man, we can do anything. Part two. <laughs> Alex Billington, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, as always at firstshowing.net and I'm on Twitter at firstshowing and now I can say listen to our podcast the Fur Forward Podcast what? congrats <laughs> thank you thank you Abe wasn't on for that discussion earlier where we were not having congrats <laughs> I know <laughs> oh oh well I'm I kidding yes hold. congrats it's great that you have a podcast <laughs> you're doing it uh, David Bax where can we find more of you? Uh, my website is uh, battleshippretension.com that's where you can find uh, movie reviews including my review of Black Klansman and Madeline's Madeline and Mining the Gap and We the Animals and all the great stuff that we uh, just talked about um, that's also where you find the podcast the uh, weekly sometimes twice weekly podcast that we've been doing for almost 12 years I think at this wow. point um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension all right you can find all the other episodes about now out there in the name over on iTunes as well as Audio Boom. Listen to us over at HHWLED, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had about Blank Hansman or anything else we discussed at this podcast over at podcast at gmail.com. I also want to mention that we're also on Spotify. Um, the uh, you can write our you can write feed, uh, feedback on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash underscore podcast. I just add Spotify to our notes so I don't skip over that. Because, yes, we are. There we go. And that's cool, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. That's fun to say. That's where I listen to most things. And uh, you can uh, please send us plenty of of gifts of um, 
of the, of the floating effect in Spike Lee films, or if there happens <laughs> to be a scary clown doing that floating effect, please send that to A personally, but also the rest of those oh, to yeah. outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Um, all those gifts, all of them, the, the scary clown ones especially. Oh. We're coming on a year anniversary of scary clown gifts for Abe, by the way. That's a you know that's a hashtag <laughs> in itself, I think, right? Abe? I think we received like a handful of them. Yeah, not enough in my opinion. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Thank you, David and Alex, for joining us this week. Thank you so so much. Apologies on my my tardiness. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks. I don't forgive you though, Abe. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> laughing emoji um (laughs) (laughs) that's my that's my visual skype humor that works really well in podcasts uh but no great great having you guys i look forward to our next week's discussion but until then so long my mama told me she said son please beware of this thing called love and it's uh, everywhere little woman I feel it's happened to me and I'm telling you it's too late to turn back now I believe, I believe, I believe I'm falling in love it's too late to turn back now I believe, I believe, I believe I'm falling in love I found myself phoning her at least ten first uh i can't remember what uh what he says verbatim i i like that they cut him off during his shit line where he goes she and then, she. Ro- and then robocop taps him on the shoulder <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i'm not the only person who always refers to robert john burke as robocop, as robocop. As robocop. he's either robocop or dennis leary's like brother in rescue me that's what i know him from so um anyway in what in rescue me he was his he was one of his brothers oh i thought he was the priest he's yeah he's who he was like his brother oh yeah, I, I I watched five years of that show and completely forgot, forgot that they were really. <laughs> yeah, though he had, was just, he had no. his one brother who's what mayhem on those commercials, um, who was like his cop brother, and then he died. Yeah, and then uh, and then his other brother From was Oz, the priest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like four brothers, I think. Too. He's a, that that show. <laughs> I, I watched the whole thing. It had ups and downs, but I liked it. <laughs> so, anyway.
So that was the trailer, right? That was, that's how it goes, Abe? Is that, is yeah, it, yeah. Where we discuss Rescue Me? <laughs> that's what happens? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 